you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Well, we broadcast live each and every weeknight at 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to be. Uh, so many great shows on Global Star, folks. You don't have to change the channel. But we're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. That's BTR. You can watch us live and by archive right here on our YouTube channel, the official YouTube channel. Folks, subscribe. Subscribe to our official YouTube channel. The links to each audio and video venue can be found directly right on our website at hagmanandhagman.com. That's our home base. And, of course, we have as well our show prep page that's hagmanreport.com that's hagmanreport.com two separate websites the hagmanreport.com has various news items and as a matter of fact uh, folks go ahead and check it out uh, also, uh, an article today posted today about TWA flight 800 of course 20 years ago next month 130 souls lost on that flight now I've got to tell you that uh, the circumstances are, are are so much well, they're as relevant today as they were 20 years ago. But, ladies and gentlemen, what I'd also like you to do is go to CanadaFreePress.com. That's CanadaFreePress.com, and comment on the article. Make it go viral because we need the truth to be brought out. Jack Cashel was our guest last Tuesday, a week ago today, in studio, and laid out the case, essentially like a veteran prosecutor would in a courtroom about TWA Flight 800. But tonight, we've got a fantastic show for you planned. Before we get to our guest tonight, folks, 
want to remind everyone the portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com with a W. That's W-H-O-L-E, ToneslLive.com. Folks, if you haven't gone there recently, go there. Read about Michael Terrell, the creator of Whole Tones Live. Read about what he's done, what he's created. Music. I mean, music that will affect, positively affect your life. Oldtoneslive.com. More on that later. Joe, it's good to be, it's good to be, have you here. I just want to make an announcement next week, Joe. You're going to undergo some, uh, some surgery. Back yeah, surgery. a little bit of surgery. Uh, so you're going to be off a couple of days, I believe, Thursday and Friday. In, in Wednesday. Or Wednesday. Wednesday is a surgery. Hopefully that's the only day off. Uh, I don't know about that. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll it's see. Like, it's like you're, you're, you're wanting me to stay away. <laughs> I keep no, saying, you know, I can call all. in from home. He's like, no, no, just take the week. Well, off. I don't look, I, I, I've been there. I've done it. I understand, you know, so I just, you know, folks, so, you know, keep him in your prayers. That's, uh, Joe for It's just minor, minor yeah. back yeah. surgery. Yeah, just a little, little divvy here and there. Well, we yeah. got a, a great yeah. show yeah, lined up for you tonight. We do. Go ahead. Um, and did you mention, uh, our yeah. sponsor? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. Weren't you listening? No, I wasn't. Um, We have with us two uh, very distinguished gentlemen, Gary Stearman and Bob Ulrich of Prophecy Watchers. Prophecywatchers.com is their website. Yeah. They are hosting the Rocky Mountain Prophecy Conference in Colorado Springs. What a line. July 15th through the 17th. Yeah. Folks, go to their website and bookmark it, prophecywatchers.com. Uh, the, the latest video they have up there, the interview Gary did with Bill Salas on the coming global transformation. Well, and, and many other interviews yes, up yes. on the site. It's a fantastic site, but the lineup for the Rocky Mountain International Prophecy Conference is, uh, you know, from Joseph Farah to L.A. Marzulli, Bill Salas, um, Derek Gilbert, uh, Doc Marquis, Michael Lake, Dr. Michael Lake. Yep. Uh, Stan Dale, our own Stan Dale. Yep. Chris Putnam and more. And, and I, I can't wait, Joe, because I, I do want to get the, uh, Gary, uh, Gary Stearman's take on the Brexit and the Antichrist. It, this is a game changer. So anyway, I don't want to take up our guest time. Uh, again, I, I've had the pleasure of meeting both gentlemen in, uh, I'm not sure what city. I think in Orlando. In, Orlando. in 2014. Okay. Right. And Mr. Stearman is, is, uh, distinguished indeed, and so is Mr. Ulrich. Distinguished and very well versed. Gentlemen, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thanks for joining us tonight. And, uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, I'm Gary, and, uh, I, I presume we'll be on a first name basis this evening. <laughs> yes. Sure thing. Sure. Why not? All right. Um, well, okay. First and foremost, Joe mentioned, of course, you're going to be um, you, well, you are uh, hosting the uh, Prophecy Watchers Summit. We're going to be getting into that a little bit later. But uh, uh, well, let's bring Bob on too. Bob, great to have you, sir. I I am here. I, I would like to say one thing. I wanted to really say thank you. I don't know if you remember this, but 22 months ago, when we first launched this ministry, uh, you were actually the very first radio interview we did, and the number of people uh, you brought to our website and to our ministry, people who'd been watching us for many years, uh, suddenly discovered again, uh, you just can't put a price on that. Uh, so many of the old viewers and 
subscribers to our old publication found us that night, and uh, I just wanted to start the program off by saying thank you to both of you. Well, uh, thank you for mentioning that, and you're very kind. Um, our, our audience, I, I believe our audience is, is the most uh, intelligent in the radio industry. That's not to denigrate anyone else's audience, but, but I, I, I've got to say that they know in, uh, they, they know quality, they know the um, accuracy of information when they hear it, and they know integrity and character when they see it, and you both uh, exude uh, all of that. So thank you for, for your... Um, for all of that, uh, Mr. Searman, if we can get if we can launch the tonight's interview off, you have a new video or a new uh, yeah new video, folks. If you go to prophecywatchers.com, and right there um, is uh, or, or yeah, right there as well is the video about um, the Gary's commentary yeah. on Bear Exit and the yeah. Antichrist. Mm-hmm. It's on the right hand side, right yeah. under Gary's commentary section. Yeah. Brexit and the Antichrist. Can we talk about that? Because man, I, I mean, I've been getting so much email about this, and people saying you better rethink everything. So. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, as I mentioned on uh, on the commentary, <clears throat> there is a lot of lampooning going on out there in the secular world. <clears throat> uh, people making fun of Christians, but on the basis that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a cough going here. Uh, they're they're lampooning uh, the idea that Christians uh, used to believe that the uh, the revived Roman Empire would be a unified Europe, and now Europe is breaking up. Therefore, uh, all the uh, the people who prophesied that the uh, European Union was a precursor to the Antichrist Empire, uh, all those dreams are crushed. But I don't believe that at all. As a matter of fact, uh, I never did believe that the the European common market, uh, uh, the Treaty of Rome, the European Union, whatever you want to call it, I never did believe uh, that that was the total picture uh, concerning uh, the Antichrist's empire. I think it's part of it, and I think that what's happening uh, with Brexit is really fascinating, because what it is is the last outcry uh, of of uh, what used to be called Great Britain, uh, which is being swamped uh, by the calculated invasion uh, of millions that are being brought in, uh, I think, to break up the Union, uh, to, to destroy the wealth of, of uh, not only what used to be called the British Empire, but what used to be called the European Union. <clears throat> and the reason for breaking... Uh, breaking up that system is exactly the same reason that uh, that there are certain people alive and well right now who want to break up uh, the United States of America by flooding it uh, with extraneous laws of various kinds <clears throat> and uh, importing uh, immigrants from all over the world. I think there's a, a global move uh, to break down borders, and that is exactly what is required to build uh, what was laid out uh, very, very long ago, back in 1968, by the Club of Rome, when they proposed a global government based on uh, on uh, the layout of ten nations, and and so what we've got with Brexit, I think, is the first block to fall in breaking down international uh, boundaries and borders <clears throat> uh, for the purpose of creating not a European government. 
uh, not a uh, United States government, but a global government. And I think, according to the prophet uh, Daniel, it's going to consist of ten regions of power. But uh, just to go back to what I said a minute ago, I have never thought that uh, the uh, the ten horns mentioned by Daniel, <coughs> standing for ten uh, power groups, would be located in any one region on planet Earth, but would rather encompass the whole Earth uh, as an international government. And I think it's just fascinating that whoever is behind this, and, and we could guess about the names, but whoever is behind it is in the final stage of their plan, uh, breaking down borders to create that global government. And the Club of Rome back in 1968 actually <clears throat> called for ten kingdoms. Uh, and as I mentioned in my commentary, uh, the United States would be one of them, Europe would be one, uh, Japan would be one. You'd have uh, another one. Uh, interestingly, uh, after Japan, you come to South Africa. And international traders have very carefully linked these places together. Russia and North Africa, Central Africa, Indonesia. Uh, it, all of these regions add up to ten regions, and I, I don't have a, a visual aid that I can I can lay out. But but they laid out those ten uh, ten regions of power, <clears throat> and so what do you do to create that uh, that power structure? Uh, you break down national borders, and, and that's where we are right now. And I think Brexit is the breaking down of a national border, which is made to appear. Uh, as a kind of a uh, of a homegrown uh, defense response, uh, you hear that that uh, essentially what what's left of the the right wing in Britain uh, is trying to stop the influx of immigrants and uh, crazy laws from the rest of the, of the uh, European Union and and reestablish old Britain and they're standing up and marching and saying, hey, we're British, we're we have a, a proud thousand-year history here, and we don't want to be uh, a mixed pickles bunch of people. We are uh, we are a kingdom, and we want to be a kingdom once again. And they're fighting a, a, this global conspiracy, to, and, and I think probably in vain, because I don't think uh, that they've got much hope right now. Uh, I think that the people that are doing all the planning have moved forward to an astonishing degree. To, to bring us to that uh, that prophecy of Daniel uh, chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, that talks about the fourth beast kingdom with, that had ten horns and and the little horn, which, which of course would be the Antichrist. But that's sort of the way I would start uh, with answering your question. Interesting. Uh, Bob, do you have anything to add about this? Because I, I just find this very interesting because people are looking at this differently than Gary described it. People are looking at this as a um, move to, a, to to this nationalism, but they're not, I, I don't think they're seeing the bigger picture in this. Well, I find it funny because <clears throat> I think I picked up my first uh, book on Bible prophecy probably around, oh, the late 70s and 1980, somewhere around the, that period of time. And I can remember clearly, you know, discovering the Club of Rome and uh, that uh, that initial prophecy that we've talked about over the years 
And I do remember the furor and the clamor over the whole European nation and then the EU becoming, you know, becoming one. And then what happened? Ten nations became 13 and then 15 and then 20. And pretty soon the whole thing kind of blew up and no one knew what was happening in Europe. But I, I clearly and distinctively remembered the Club of Rome and those ten nations. In fact, it's real easy to find online. Uh, I pulled up, you know, just a list of the ten kingdoms here. Uh, Canada and the United States are one. The European Union, Western Europe is two. Japan is three. Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Israel, and the Pacific Islands are four. Eastern Europe is five. Latin America, which is Mexico, Central and South America is six. North Africa and the Middle East is seven. That includes the Islamic nations. Central Africa is eight. Southern and Southeastern Asia is nine. And Central Asia is ten. So this this has been around for a long time. Uh, this isn't certainly something new, although a lot of people may be hearing this tonight for the very first time, that the powers to be did divide the world into those ten kingdoms uh, many, many years ago. And, and, and we're seeing it play out right before our very eyes. Exactly. So, so Gary, um, with respect to this new realignment, um, are, are we, are we um, and how this this would segue into our current domestic Donald Trump, perhaps presumptively uh, entrance into uh, into the fray? And this, let's just assume for a moment that that he, well, regardless of who who might take the uh, take the seat, um, that this this push for nationalism as opposed to globalism, if it's Trump. I guess this is all part of the plan. How does this work together? Um, if, if I can ask. Well, and again, this is an ongoing thing, so you know, I, I really can't predict what's going to happen. I don't think there's a human being alive who can. But I would say this: uh, this there's a a last gasp of nationalism in uh, in Britain, and a last gasp of nationalism. Uh, in the United States, and I think uh, Donald Trump probably has gone farther than he ever thought he would go. I, I think he uh, basically uh, is a, is a great showman. Uh, he loves loves a good parade, and he stood up and said, "You know, I'm going to run for president." <clears throat> and little did did anyone know that he would get all the free media attention that he got, but he got it. <laughs> by sounding like a good old-fashioned American nationalist. Uh, and people are hungry for that, I think, all over the world. And I, I think that that uh, the British and, and American history, go back to the Magna Carta, and uh, you look at, at the, the immigrants who came across the Atlantic and formed uh, not a monarchy here, <clears throat> but a federalist republic. And we have been... Uh, I, I think envied by the entire world. Britain and the United States, going back to World War II, uh, it can be said to have saved the world. And I think that there has been an envy of Great Britain and America. I think there has been a desire on the part of others to become part of it. And meanwhile, internally, in Great Britain and America, there's been a desire to uh, socialize and uh, internationalize the two countries. And it's been uh, very quietly happening ever since World War II. And now we're 
at the point where those who have been trying to internationalize these two countries have almost reached their goal and people are waking up, I think probably too late. And I think that Trump, uh, the, the, the followers of Trump and, and the British who have left uh, the European Union <clears throat> probably have the same motive. They want the good old nationalism to come back again. And so uh, essentially what we've got going now is a war uh, and a breakdown of the traditional lines of power. Uh, and I think it's going to be most fascinating if you go back to World War One, the assassination of uh, Archduke Ferdinand, <clears throat> come into the 30s with the, the uh, economic destruction of uh, of Europe and the rise of Hitler, and then you come into uh, the current time, it appears that we're entering into a, a a period very very similar to the period of 1912, 13, 14 uh, in Europe. Uh, in which uh, the old lines of force are breaking down, and uh, and I think that uh, I I can foresee uh, various types of chaos in the very near future, which we see in the Bible as a series of international wars, uh, and they are all focused uh, around, uh, interestingly, around Europe, the Middle East, Russia, but specifically around the Mediterranean, and. That which means that we uh, are on the verge of seeing a breakdown in the traditional lanes of power that have been very carefully set up over the last 50, 60 years. So that's where we are prophetically. And I think you can see this in the Bible uh, very clearly in a series of wars that are prophesied for the latter days, and specifically wars that will end up being focused in the Middle East. Hey Gary, I'm, I'm not sure if you've if you've seen this or not, but you know the Brexit vote was was very close uh, in England. I think it was 52 to 48, if my memory serves me right. I think it's um, about a five point five point disparity there in, in the vote. About five points. Well, I find it fascinating. They were expecting an 80 percent turnout for the vote, and there was a certain area of uh, Southeast England that was very very much in favor of remaining in the EU. And it's ironic that an act of God occurred right before the vote. Uh, there was a horrific storm uh, in this part of England, the part where the people who wanted to remain in the EU went. I heard a lot of them never got out to vote. And I don't know if that's the uh, the hand of God uh, tipping the election one way or another or not, but uh, it was kind of fascinating to realize that uh, sometimes circumstances intervene in life. Exactly, uh, and I think that the circumstances now. I'm not a. I'm not a prognosticator, by the way, uh, and I, I cannot say what's going to happen. But I have felt for a long time <clears throat> that uh, in the two or three years just ahead of us, we're going to see. Uh, I think some very chaotic developments. Uh, some very power plays. Uh, the United States election is far from a done deal. Uh, there's a there is a bitterness that I've never seen before in the in the uh, vaults of power in the United States. Uh, there is a bitterness in Europe. Uh, there is a bitterness in uh, the Middle East that has lapsed over into Europe, or lapped over into Europe and the United States, and it's called ISIS, which is uh, the uh, Islamic desire to re. Uh, 
institute the Ottoman Empire, and to me, this is full circle. It's bringing us right back around to where we were just before World War One. You know, Gary, I, I like the analogy or the comparison to the time before, just before World War One. I. I often reference the political environment domestically here. Um, as right after the Weimar Republic, obviously World yes. War II. However, in the larger sense, I think, I mean, we can make a lot of comparisons, but I think you are perhaps more technically accurate given the circumstances. And, and folks, the, Winston Churchill said, the further back you look, the further ahead you can see. And I think that that's so important because we need to see the bigger picture here. Uh, so, so right on the money with that, um, Bob. I've got to be, before we go any further. I've got to give this message to you. This coming over our secret communications channel, the Red Phone, and, and, and <laughs> this from Bob from Paul's Bow, the land of the Viking Donut, wanted to say hello and the. Mustache man <laughs> walks at midnight, whatever that means. So there's some communication okay. going on. All right. Uh, Bob, we'll kick it to you there uh, uh, for commentary on what Gary had said. Yeah. Uh, were you asking me to, to further my comment, or were you talking to well, Bob? Yeah, well, Bob, if you want to, if you want to add anything, or if not, we'll kick it back to Gary because I think I think this is an important line of discussion. So uh, we can keep it keep it going. However, you want to do it. Well, Bob, we'll keep it. We'll definitely keep it going with Gary, and uh, Gary is the theologian, and and uh, I have a special role here at the ministry. Uh, I am the secret conduit to take Gary's studies and his incredible knowledge to the world, and uh, so I am kind of the behind the scenes mover and shaker, not the theologian. Uh, that Mr. Stearman is, and uh, we all go to him for answers because uh, I've known him now for 28 years, and I think there may have been one time in 28 years where I heard him say, "I don't know." And uh, yeah, I, Bob, I, please. Well, <laughs> well, you know what, Gary? Gary I, I watched you. I watched your presentation in Orlando, and I've got to say that. And I think another city. I'm not sure. Uh, Ohio, perhaps. I, I, I don't know. Uh, somewhere in Ohio, but but I, I've, if folks, if you want to see a consummate professional and a guy who can stand up before a microphone, talk and and not even glance at notes. I mean, uh, Gary, really, Gary, I got to tell you, you, um, I, I strive to be like you, but but Gary, go ahead and uh, um, well, continue. one of one of the things I, I really would like to say <clears throat> is that. Uh, when you look at Daniel and Revelation, uh, the book of Daniel is sort of a key to all Bible prophecy. Uh, and it is perfectly in line, as I'm sure you know, with the book of Revelation. And the thing, the thing about uh, this great uh, latter day, and by the way, and concluding power structure, which we've all been kind of watching for years and years and years, <clears throat> is built around the idea of global rule. And in Revelation, the ten horns that Daniel talks about, uh, which uh, feature another little horn that, that comes up in the midst of them, and it gets rid of three of the ten, leaving seven, and then it stands up and establishes itself. And, of course, 
theologians for uh, years have said this is the the Antichrist, that the little horn is the Antichrist. And when you go to Revelation, uh, this whole system <clears throat> is given a name. It's called Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And it's pictured as a woman riding a beast. And uh, years ago, uh, looking at the development of the European Union, uh, I noticed that their symbol, the symbol even on their money, the euro, was the, uh, the symbol of the woman riding the beast. And I thought to myself, wow, how brazen can you get using that biblical symbol as your uh, international symbol? <clears throat> and the Bible refers to her as Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. Well, who sh she is called in the parlance of uh, uh, of the old gods. She is she is known as uh, Europa, and Europa uh, is uh, a pictured as a woman riding a bull, and the bull is a uh, uh, representation of the god Zeus. Zeus being the father of all the gods. <clears throat> so the woman represents uh, the world astride this beast, Zeus. And what an interesting symbol uh, for the people to use who were planning global government. Uh, it, it, and there it is in, in the book of Revelation. And uh, you read in Revelation 17 <clears throat> uh, that you see that on her forehead... She has this name written, you know, in in the in the King James is written in all caps, Mystery Babylon the Great, Mother of Harlots and Abominations of the Earth. So she's basically the culmination of the system. And what's fascinating is that in Brussels, uh, in the plaza uh, of the European Union Parliament building, there are not one but two statues of the woman riding the beast. And how uh, how brazen do you have to get to make it perfectly clear? And what's the role of the woman riding the beast? To establish uh, a uh, an international system of rule. And the ten horns, if you go to Revelation 17, are linked to the woman riding the beast. So I don't think it gets much clearer than that. And I think from here on in, we're going to see uh, increasing chaos uh, in what used to be called the European Union. I think it's going to be called the European Disunion very soon. But the people who set up the system are still in full control. Gary, do you remember the uh, the old poster when they formed the EU uh, that circulated throughout Europe of the uh, you know the half built Tower of Babel? Oh uh, yes, with the absolutely. Inverted with the inverted pentagrams surrounding yes. the Tower of Babel. And I do. You almost want to use you almost want to use the phrase you can't make this stuff up. Uh, this is the symbol they chose for Europe. This is the symbolism they're using, which just reeks of the occult. It, it really does. Biblical connotations. And, of course, the Tower of Babel was uh, essentially a uh, <clears throat> global power structure uh, based upon having access to the, uh, to the flow of power that emanated from the old gods of the old empire. And and God said concerning those who were building that Tower of Babel, uh, if we allow them to, to complete their project, they'll be able to do anything they want to do. And so God saw to it that they uh, they would not be able to, to come together and complete their project by confusing their languages. Hence the term Babel or Babel, uh, which we still have in our language today, <clears throat> and internationalizing uh, confusion 
But here's the thing. Uh, there are, and, and Joe and Doug, I know you know this and talk about it all the time. There are people behind the scenes in the world today very carefully pulling levers. Uh, a lot of their names are known. A lot of their names are unknown. Uh, but these men have access to vast wealth and power, and uh, they are seeing to it that uh, what appears to us to be chaos and revolution is to them uh, the quiet fulfillment of their plan. Now, Gary, you uh, you have opened up a can of worms when you mentioned the word Tower of Babel. Uh, we had a guest uh, here in our studios here uh, a few months ago, actually, by the name of Michael Lake, and I think Michael may have been on the program, on your program. Uh, yeah, before. actually got his book right here, The the Shinar Director. Yeah. One of the most fascinating books that I've ever seen or read. In fact, I was out sick that day when Michael was here. Now, I had met him before and talked to him before, but I didn't get to see the program. And it kind of got put up on the shelf a little bit. We were shot ahead in the studio, and the program aired about two weeks ago. And I have never seen such a reaction or an explosion from our audience and so much demand. In fact, the first day the program aired, I thought I had tons and tons of inventory in the warehouse, and I had to call Tom Horn at Defender Publishing and order another 12 cases of books because it was insane. And I couldn't understand what was happening. I mean, we've talked about the Tower of Babel before. Gary has written about it extensively over the years. Uh, there's a lot more there than meets the eye. And when Gary interviewed Michael Lake, we discovered what there was really there uh, hiding behind the scenes and some of the symbolism and, and even the archaeological discoveries. But uh, I would love to have Gary talk a little bit about the real purpose behind the Tower of Babel and, and kind of the backstory that the average Christian today has never heard before, because our audience was was literally fascinated by his uh, his discoveries. Well, Bob, you, you mentioned a minute ago the the old Bruegel uh, oil painting uh, of the Tower of Babel, <clears throat> and which has become such a symbol uh, for the European Union, uh, and it, it's like uh, they were just saying as, as in as loud a voice as possible we're going to continue work on the unfinished project the tower of babel and they have and the what was the purpose of the tower uh, and this is the thing that, that michael lake has really has really has a handle on uh, nimrod <clears throat> basically uh, supervising the project uh, wanted to reestablish contact with the angels that man had uh, had uh, uh, relations with before the flood. After the flood, it, it, there, it was it was a wreck. Uh, the earth had to be reestablished. Uh, there were no governments. There were no uh, economic uh, rules. There was basically nothing except for one man, Nimrod, who stood up and built a, a kingdom, and he became the leader. And he founded his kingdom on the basis that he could reestablish contact with the old gods, that is, the fallen ones who came down before the flood. And the purpose of building that tower <clears throat> was to uh, to rebuild that contact system. And, and Michael Lake points out that the tower was being built in such a way that if God sent another flood, it was protected from water. <laughs> it had a very high wall built around the base of it. And... It, it, when you read this essential monologue in uh, in Genesis 11, uh, God is looking down at this project, 
and uh, he's watching these people build this tower. And he came down and he, he took a very close look at it. And in Genesis eleven six, it says, "The Lord said, Behold, the people uh, has become a, a a singularity. The people have come together. They they all have their mind on the same project, and they all have one language. They have begun their work." And God says this, as quoted in uh, Genesis eleven six, and now nothing that they uh, that will be restrained from them that they have imagined to do. Now that's a statement. Uh, what had man tapped into that would enable him to do what he wanted to do? Well, he had tapped into the old power. And when you look at that symbology, and you look ahead at the Antichrist. Uh, the woman on the beast, <clears throat> the Tower of Babel, the whole thing uh, is coming around once again. And the the goal is to be as it was before, uh, to reestablish power with the old dark order. And uh, yeah. how many books have been written about the about occultism and the so-called New World Order? You know, it's all coming around again. Yes, it is. Well, you know, in, in- in Dr. Lake's book, if I can quote real quick uh, from the Shinar Directive, uh, a paragraph um, on page 43, uh, a promise worth dying for, he talks about the promise of the serpent, that the serpent would provide knowledge that would allow man to ascend into godhood and become like the Elohim. Uh, the darkened hearts of men have been hungering for this knowledge and have been promised it ever since the garden. Those who labor in the army of darkness seek to become like God live forever and evade the judgment of the Almighty, gaining this knowledge and its transformative power is at the very heart of the beginning of Babylon and all the mystery religions on earth. In fact, mystery religions claim that in their hero Nimrod achieved transformation into something other than human and finally uh, realized uh, apotheosis. And he gets into transhumanism further talking about, uh, you know, this immortality outside of the realm of the Lord and heaven and hell. And that's this is the, the promise that is being given. We see the technology. I mean, you know, 50 years ago, well, the TV well, was, Joe, was coming around. Transhumanism and, is the, the Trojan horse of globalism, I believe. Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, Gary and Bob, I'm going to pose this question to you guys. This instability and the breakdown of the Middle East and the continuation of the breakdown of, of Europe, do, do we see that the world has to descend into chaos for a new, a true satanic new world order for the Antichrist to bring in this false peace and security? Yes, absolutely. And the chaos is exactly what is being... Uh, is being brought about by by these uh, these fiendish global planners, uh, <clears throat> ordo ab ab chaos. You know, order out of chaos is their motto. Create chaos and bring about a new order. <clears throat> and that new order is extremely clear. If you look at Revelation, uh, the people uh, who are going to be uh, alive and running the world in that day are going to be flirting uh, with uh, the old gods. Uh, Daniel goes on to say, uh, for example, that uh, uh, the Antichrist will worship a god whom his fathers knew not, and he will 
uh, make treaties with gods. And we're talking about not uh, Jehovah God, but but the old gods. And somehow uh, the, the, the situation is going to unfold that allows the Antichrist to somehow open uh, a connection, a portal, some kind of an interconnection with the world uh, of darkness, uh, the, the prince of the power of the air, uh, the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in, in heavenly places, will, I think, will become more or less visible in the, in the person of the Antichrist and his, uh, his cohorts. And in order for that to happen, uh, I think a kind of chaos has to be created first, and I believe we're seeing the leading edge of it right now. Well, the chaos is, is at every level and every way possible. I think uh, even people who, who don't understand the Bible or don't know anything about Bible prophecy see the chaos in virtually every realm of society today in every corner of the earth. Uh, Gary, you, you're going to have to do a little better when you use the words, the old gods. I would really like you to define for the listeners, because I know this is a spiritually mature audience. Yeah. But who are the old gods? That's the backstory to the Tower of Babel. Well, the old, the chief of the old gods was Zeus, and uh, as it's kind of fascinating to me that uh, in in the Book of Revelation, where you have the letters to the seven churches, <clears throat> uh, one of those churches. Had uh, a, if you will, in in its regime, it was the Church of Pergamos, was built in the vicinity of uh, Satan's throne. And, and you look at Revelation two thirteen, and Jesus says, "I know your works, and I know where you live, even where Satan's throne is." And this is uh, said of Pergamos. Uh, the, the, the church of Pergamos there in Asia Minor, the fact is that Satan's throne did exist there. Uh, and <clears throat> it existed there all the way from, from the days of, of the Apostle John all the way up until the, the late 19th and early 20th centuries <clears throat> when German archaeologists went to Pergamos and found uh, what was called the throne of Zeus which the Bible refers to as uh, Satan's throne. They dismantled it stone by stone, took it to Germany, reassembled it in Berlin, <clears throat> where it is today, and they revere Satan's throne. And they revere, what they're really revering is uh, the throne of Zeus. He's the chief of the gods, and without a doubt, <clears throat> Hitler expected to be able to call down the old gods. And we're talking about Jupiter, Juno, Zeus. Uh, we're talking about goddesses like Diana of the Ephesians, fertility goddesses of various kinds. Uh, the, and the Germans, if, if you read carefully, really and truly believe that they could uh, could invoke the power of, of those old gods. So in in brief, that's what we're talking about. Uh, Gary, does the I'm not even sure how to phrase this question, but uh, we we get a lot of emails, receive a lot of emails, and a lot of mail talking about the creation and the um, the growth of ISIS, the terrorist mm -hmm. group, uh, not being coincidental to the goddess, small g, of course, Isis, 
Yes. You know, so is this um, is this more than coincidence today, in, or, or is this just kind of anecdotal and at the periphery of everything? You know, I've wondered the same thing, and I haven't seen anything that would tell me that that uh, they're worshiping the goddess. Uh, but and it's fascinating that Isis is also uh, known as Isil with an L, and our president always refers to Isis as Isil, which uh, stands for the Levant, that is uh, the, the territory from Lebanon down through Israel all the way to Egypt, uh, the coast of the Mediterranean. And uh, ISIS believes that it can can establish a uh, an empire, a caliphate, which will essentially cover all the land from the Sinai Peninsula uh, up to ultimately the Black Sea. That's what they're after. Uh, and, uh, and whether or not they have the goddess ISIS in mind, I'm not sure. Uh, okay. Okay, uh, but you mentioned ISIL, and this is another question uh, closely related. When Obama refers to ISIS as ISIL, yeah. is that is that not an affront uh, to Israel? Yes, uh, absolutely. Okay, all right, without a doubt. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's in your face, and right. and and do not uh, think for one minute that that the Israelis uh, don't understand what he's saying. They do. It's no accident. Yeah, it's no accident. Wow. Right. Yeah, you know, folks, we are so blessed to have with us, in case you're just joining us, Mr. Gary Stearman, prophecywatchers.com, as well as Mr. Bob Ulrich, prophecywatchers.com. Don't forget, visit prophecywatchers.com. There, of course, the, um, the conference that's coming up, um, the Rocky Mountain International Prophecy Conference is coming up July 15th through 17th, 2016 at the Colorado Springs Marriott. Um, a live streaming for that conference. I just want to let you know it's going to be just a, a, a man, uh, what a rich environment, uh, prophetically rich environment. Now, do you guys have tickets available for people who want to attend physically or are we, um, or are you just selling the live stream uh, option right now? Well, it's kind of interesting. When we launched the conference probably eight or nine months ago, uh, we probably sold out uh, 90% of the tickets in the first 30 days, um, maybe another six weeks or so. We were completely sold out. Now, being only three weeks away, people's plans change. Uh, people get sick. People die. There's all kinds of things that happen. And uh, we have just a handful of tickets available here at the ministry that you could get uh, by calling our toll-free number. That's the only way to get a ticket right now is by calling and speaking to someone who will basically put you in a cancellation place. Uh, the toll-free number, if I can give that out, is uh, sure. 888-722-0008. I'll repeat that one more time. 888 888-722-0008. But the conference has been sold out for a long time. It's a really kind of, I don't want to use the word insane, but whoever put this conference together, and I'll blame this on Tom Horn, uh, who actually is the uh, co-sponsor of the conference with us. And we have 27 speakers at one conference in one location at the Marriott Hotel in Colorado Springs. Uh, some of the biggest names in the world of Bible prophecy, archaeology, science, uh, discussing a lot of 
uh, fringe subjects that a lot of people are greatly offended by, things that we find in the Bible, and everything is approached from a biblical perspective. Uh, 27 speakers, 70 presentations. Uh, it really is a, is a, a world-class conference that uh, we're pretty excited about. Three weeks away, we're anxious to get there. For the most part, though, the conference is sold out, and the live streaming, which we'll be happy to talk about at a later point here, uh, is mostly the only thing still available. Okay. Understood. Wow. Yeah, it, well, what a lineup of speakers, in, in, indeed. Yeah, many of whom have been guests on our show uh, several times, and they never, never disappoint. Um, no, no, that's true. Switching gears here, uh, gentlemen, if we could get into... Uh, ISIS, and I want to get your guys' take on this. We see today there has been um, another terrorist attack, this time in Istanbul at the airport. Yep. If mm-hmm. folks go to the Drudge Report, you can see uh, right on in the front and center, bloodbath, Istanbul airport, 50 dead, 60 injured. We had the um, San Bernardino shootings. We had the Orlando yep. nightclub pulse shootings. And we have this strange marriage of the Obama administration, the Muslim Brotherhood, and radical Islam. Are, is ISIS here? I mean, are, is, first of all, do we create ISIS? Uh, you know, through the funding of the Syrian refugees, and even before that, and funding Al Qaeda and the Mujahideen. Well, and, let me make a brief comment okay. uh, about that, uh, and and you might want to. Uh, to, to go to, to take it and run with it, but does anybody remember Iraq? Saddam Hussein, <clears throat> long gone. Sure. Yep. Uh, Iraq. Where is Iraq today? <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it, it essentially is uh, a wasteland of left behind weapons of war, uh, and those weapons have been carefully collected and uh, and brought into camps uh, by ragtag armies, and they. I think under the leadership of al-Baghdadi, they said, you know, we have a golden opportunity here. We can build a new front group out of the ruins of Iraq. And the the, uh, the Americans have uh, uh, <laughs> conveniently left behind a lot of weaponry that we could scoop up, and, and we could become a fighting force. And uh, they managed to get financing, and now they're a fighting force. And in what used to be Iraq... And the fascinating thing is, and we we saw this in the airport bombing in Istanbul today, ISIS uh, is exerting its force against anyone whom it considers to be resistant. And that that even includes other branches of Islam. Because the old Ottoman Empire came out of the the Turks, and uh, ISIS wants to reestablish that empire. And so they're going to be pushing in the direction of Turkey, and I think Erdogan, the uh, the president of Turkey, uh, is very much afraid at this point. Uh, and it, it must be remembered that our biggest, the United, the biggest uh, air base that the United States has in the Middle East is in Turkey. So Erdogan uh, is uh, is a, is one confused man today. Uh, he's he's trying to, to to cater to to the west and trying to cater to the east, and he's trying to fend off ISIS which says, hey, it's our time to reestablish the Ottoman Empire. So I, I would just lay that out as a, as a beginning point of what to talk about. Okay. Ironically, and, and, uh, yeah. 
Go ahead, Bob. Ironically, one of the uh, one of the speakers at our conference is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, uh, who's an internationally renowned expert on on national security. And just a few seconds ago, he sent me an email, and it's just a uh, just a, an email blast, and it says, "I warned in my book, never submit that attacks like Brussels, Orlando, and today's Istanbul attack will become frequent events unless the global community takes action." This problem won't go away unless we destroy ISIS in Syria, Iraq, and elsewhere. Our strategy must be top to bottom and recognize that this threat is comprehensive. They will continue to attack soft targets, airports, clubs, shopping centers, and more until we stop them. Uh, Continuing to ignore the threat, like the truth about Benghazi, will lead to far more dead people. So I guess the answer to your question is, are they here? Well, uh, they're here in pockets all over the country. I think Gary probably has a little more knowledge about that than I do. Yeah, and I would agree with Bob. They are here, and uh, uh, they're waiting until they can quietly develop a plan, a game plan. Uh, They have the assistance uh, of a number of very high officials in the United States who have developed uh, the this notion of political correctness, which does not allow us. Uh, to name the enemy, and of course everybody's up in arms about that, and we've talked about it until we're blue in the face, but uh, it's all a very clever um, cover, I think, for an international conspiracy. But but again, I would go back and say I'm not pessimistic, uh, because I think that all of these things were prophesied for the latter days. Yeah, I, I, we totally agree with you on that. By the way, I, I just want to let everyone know we have listeners checking in with us from the UK, from Germany, France, Ireland. Hello to to the Ireland, uh, all across the United States, Canada, and uh, we've got uh, a couple of listeners also in Hong Kong. I don't know what time. My goodness, what, a, what time it would be there, but uh, either good morning or uh, good evening or, or good night. But uh, we got a, uh, a break. A We're yeah. going to be going through a break. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on Tuesday edition. We have with us uh, from the Prophecy Watchers, prophecywatchers.com, Gary Stearman and Bob Ulrich. They are hosting the Rocky Mountain International Prophecy Conference. This July 15th through the 17th yep. at the Colorado Springs Marriott. Folks, go to prophecywatchers.com. Right in the very uh, top of the page is the live streaming option. It, it, yes, and check out Gary Stearman's latest video. Yeah, on the right-hand about, side about under Gary's commentary. Right. Oh, man. But the live streaming will be uh, brought to you in HD. There's 27 speakers. Go there. Check out the schedule. Yeah. I know I'm going to be signing up to watch this. Absolutely. We'll be right back with Gary Stearman and Bob Ulrich right after this. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Folks, welcome to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We've got two very distinguished and very special guests with us tonight, Mr. Gary Stearman and Mr. Bob Ulrich from prophecywatchers.com. And I've got to apologize. I still have, uh, I'm still fighting some, uh, uh, some mouth, uh, muffling here. So if I sound a little bit, thick-tongued. It's because of uh, some stitches that, that I still have inside my mouth. Uh, with, uh, so, please accept my apologies about that. Before we get back to our, our distinguished guests here, and what a fascinating first hour, by the way. Man, incredible first hour. Um, I, I, I do want to make an appeal to listeners out there. Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer is on the front lines. He, he is actually getting together or has gotten together a truckload I mean a semi tractor trailer load of food specifically bread that's being taken down to the victims of the flood in West Virginia now here, here's here's the call to action ladies and gentlemen uh, and, and we are actively doing this we, we wouldn't ask you to do this if we weren't doing it ourselves um, visit CoachDaveLive.com. That's CoachDaveLive.com. Now, on that website, you'll see he explains what he's doing, what they are doing, uh, taking food to the people affected by the the severe flooding in West Virginia. Well, they they got to raise some money for the expenses to get the food down there. And again, we are doing we are doing we are assisting them in the in this fashion. And the only reason I mention that is because, not to say yay us, but only only to say uh, we would not ask you to do anything we would not we have not done ourselves. So having said that, let's help. Let's get behind Coach Dave. He's doing a marvelous. I mean, this is a marvelous initiative, a marvelous thing to do for our, our brethren who are suffering from the flooding down in West Virginia. Go to CoachDaveLive.com. That's CoachDaveLive.com. Folks, donate what you can in terms of, of, of cash. I don't care if it's a dollar, ten bucks, five bucks, a hundred bucks. It does whatever you can do. Now they need a couple of thousand dollars to get. I mean, they got to get the the food down there. So and they're on the clock. I mean, there, there's a time limit here. 
So again, please, uh, folks, please go to CoachDaveLive.com and do what you can to help them get that food down there. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking that Coach Dave is going to be behind the wheel, an 18-wheeler, you know, knowing Coach Dave. So God bless him. God bless his efforts. That's CoachDaveLive.com. And, of course, uh, handling and helping the West Virginia flood victims. Um, also, you can visit his website, ptsalt.com. And the second order of business here I want to mention is, uh, folks, we had Jack Cashel on, author and investigative journalist Jack Cashel on our show here in studio last week. Folks, go to hagmanreport.com. Um, you can read, read the article about that, about TWA 800, Flight 800, 20 year anniversary next, well, next month here in a couple of weeks. It's as relevant today as it's ever been. What I'd like everyone to do, uh, listeners, is go to CanadaFreePress.com as well. Make a comment about the article. The reason I'm asking you to do this, the comments propel the search engines, which propels the um, uh, the information contained within the article. We need people to get educated about the what happened with TWA 800 and the role that many of the current pundits, the people you see on Fox News, the people you see on CNN, and Hillary Rodham, or Hillary Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton, <laughs> had to throw that in there, uh, her role in this incident as well. And, of course, there was a comment made about James Kallstrom being the FBI shill. That's a political pundit. Folks, that is true. But please spread the article. Make a comment at CanadaFreePress.com. Deconstructing the lie, TWA 800. It's important that we that we really make um, an effort to have this information common on the Internet. And that's my plea to you. So two orders of business. Joe will take care of the other later. Uh, go ahead and bring it, bring our guest back. Yeah, with us tonight, we have Gary Stearman and Bob Ulrich. <clears throat> Folks, go to prophecywatchers.com, prophecywatchers.com. You can sign up for their e-newsletter. Uh, and there are many other features on the website, including uh, Gary's commentary and all of their latest uh, TV shows and interviews, uh, the latest being with Bill Salas, The Coming Global Transformation, and um, just fantastic uh, interviews. You guys got a beautiful set and do a great job over there. And uh, the one of the reasons that we're having uh, Mr. Stearman and, and Mr. Ulrich on is the upcoming Rocky Mountain Prophecy Conference uh, that is going to be July 15th through the 17th in Colorado Springs. And folks, if you go on their website, prophecywatchers.com, you can sign up for the live streaming. It is uh, coming to you in HD. You can see all 27 speakers. Um, and Gary or Bob, do you want to explain how the uh, live streaming works? Some conferences do it different than others. Some people uh, leave a 48-hour window. Um, how does your live stream work? Well, if I can just interrupt quickly, I, I would like to hand hand this off to Bob. And I wanted to to, to say 
that Bob has become an expert on live streaming video, <clears throat> and he's done it the hard way <laughs> by setting it up uh, before, uh, and he's learned a lot about live streaming video, which uh, translates uh, to our audience, because we've got a setup that will enable people, really, I think, to to have an HD view of, of the way things are going, and not only that, but, a, but a, a record that they can refer to after the conference, and I'd like to have Bob give all the details on that, because he's become an expert. Yeah, the hard way, usually by making uh, some mistakes along the way. What we're doing this year at our conference is, is very unusual. With so many speakers, 27 speakers in all, uh, you simply can't hear all of the messages. You can't be at every single presentation. Now, about a year or two ago, I finally broke down and got a DVR uh, attached to the cable in my home. And it's gotten to the point now where I don't want to watch regular TV and sit through the commercials. I would rather watch a recorded program and fast forward through the commercials, you know, using the DVR. And I kind of view live streaming the same way. Uh, it's actually a very simple process. We are streaming two rooms this year, 41 messages in all, which is probably about 75% of the entire conference that you will be able to view from the live streaming feed. Uh, the process is, is relatively simple. You provide us with an email address when you sign up, and you will get an email from the live streaming company two to three days before the event, providing you with a website to go to. The live streaming company hosts all of the messages on a private server. You'll be provided with a username and a password. You go to the website, you put in your username and your passcode, and uh, you have access to every single presentation. Now, this is important. You can watch the presentation live, just like the rest of the people at the event. There's going to be over a 1,000 people in the Marriott so there's been a lot of buzz about this conference. Or let's say you don't get home from work till 7 o'clock. You can go back and watch the morning presentations at 7 o'clock at night when you get home from work. If you're a night owl, you can watch at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, all the presentations will go up on the server, and just like a DVR, you can pick and choose which messages you choose to hear. Uh, it is high-definition video. Uh, the company we're using for the live streaming uh, is really, I guess you could say, kind of experienced. Uh, they do a lot of events for the White House. Uh, they stream 30,000 people for an AARP meeting, 20,000 people for a Billy Graham event. So our conference isn't nearly that big, but it's getting there. And uh, we have some really experienced technicians working behind the scenes to make this effective. There will be a customer service email that you can access if you have problems setting up. I think for a lot of people, live streaming is a new experience. It's a new event. They don't understand. They're confused. Basically, if you have a half-decent Internet connection, uh, just similar to YouTube, you can go to this website and you can watch the presentations, all 41 of them if you choose, and you have a 60-day window to watch every presentation. Now, it's possible that it may be extended by a little period of time, but for the period of time we're in right now, from the time the conference starts until 60 days later, you have the opportunity to watch all 41 of those messages as many times as you like. You can't record them. You can't stream them to a, to any kind of a portable disc. You know, they're on a private server. They're protected uh, by the live streaming company. But you can watch all 41 messages during that 60-day 60, uh, 60 period. 
Wow, that's a that's fantastic. That's a lot of time. Uh, folks are are very busy, you know, trying to keep their head above water and take care of their families. And you know, sometimes forty eight hours, even a week, is not enough time, especially with uh, forty one presentations, twenty seven speakers. But sixty sixty days uh, should give everybody who signs up for the live stream. Uh, enough time to watch each speaker twice, at least, if they want. So uh, that's just fantastic. Yeah, it's a smorgasbord. Yeah, it's a smorgasbord of of prophecy teaching, of of uh, you know fringe studies in a lot of areas that we find fascinating, biblical archaeology, uh, transhumanism, some of the events we talked about in the first hour, ISIS, Brexit. All of these things uh, are going to be coming from some of the uh, the top uh, prophecy experts and and. Uh, uh, authors, you know, literally in the entire world, they're coming from Israel. They're coming from literally all over the world to attend this conference in person. Uh, so it's it's uh, Chuck Missler. I mean, just another classic name that I'm sure most people on the call tonight know. Chuck has prepared a special message for us that he's delivering all the way from New Zealand. Uh, so it really is an international prophecy conference. And Bob, let me uh, quickly say that we're going to have. Uh people in the news like Joe Farah, Bill Koenig, people who who really understand the comings and goings of global events are going to be speaking and and Bill Salas will be there uh commenting on the coming Mideast wars and uh, don't you know that he's got his ear to the ground these days. <laughs> and we're 3 weeks away, so only the Lord knows what's going to happen in the world in the next 3 weeks and and uh, what this event is really going to turn out to be like. You know, uh, Gary, you mentioned Bill Salas, and it's interesting because after the Brexit vote, I received an email from Mr. Mr. Salas, and he was uh, talking about the uh, about the implications, as you were the first hour, and and I really think we're seeing a general acceleration. Is is I think we got, we can all agree, yes. seeing an acceleration of of events. You know, gentlemen. Um, if I can move move ahead here differently a little bit, um, we have a lot of listeners, of course, here in the United States of America, and we are we are seeing the the run up. We've got uh, next month the convention, the Republican National Convention, the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, the uh, the former in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, you folks, both of you gentlemen, are, have a nexus with newsmakers and the people who understand, as you mentioned, understand the current events. What do you see, or what can you, is there a consensus in terms of events taking place here in the United States relative to our elections that perhaps that, that we're, we're not seeing or that you might wish to wish to discuss or expand on? You know, I'm, I would like to hand this off to Bob. <laughs> Just <Okay>. because... <laughs> Because I can't, I can't predict the outcome of the election. In fact, <clears throat> I don't think there's a living human uh, who can understand the, the the rapidly changing events in our at the highest levels of our government right now. Uh, we have uh, chaos in uh, uh, our military, Joint Chiefs of Staff. <clears throat> we have uh, chaos in uh, at on Wall Street right now. We have uh, uh, chaos uh, among. Uh, the bureaucrats uh, who really would love to control everything, 
but I think even they have the sense that they're out of control now. And and uh, Janet Yellen, of course, uh, uh, who uh, <laughs> has attempted to be a spokesperson for the Fed, <clears throat> is speechless. What can I say? Uh, and so to to try to predict what's going to happen, uh, that's out of my league. However, I will say that given what I know about the Bible, the Bible says that in the in the the, the years just prior to the return of Christ, uh, stability is going to be removed from the face of planet Earth, one step at a time, and a, a series of, of very violent clashes are going to occur. And Jesus said, right there in Matthew 24, not only will there be uh, international uh, clashes of various kinds, but there would also be uh, earthquakes, there would be famine, there would be pestilence, there would be natural disasters of all sorts. And think of pestilence for a moment, and then think of the Zika virus and and other engineered viruses that are in the news right now. I think that's the world we're headed for. It really pains me to say that, uh, but on the other hand, we're blessed. We're, we're safe in Christ, and so we don't really have to fear these things. Uh, and I do not fear judgment because the Lord's not going to. It's not my judge; He's my Savior. So, uh, on on the one hand, it it pains me to talk about these things. On the other hand, uh, I know that all of this is going to be brought to pass. All of these things were prophesied over 2,000 years ago, and, and uh, you know the words of Jesus are as alive and real today as they were 2,000 years ago when he first spoke them. Uh, you know, going back 20, 25, 30 years when we first, when me personally first got involved in prophecy uh, before the yeah. age of the internet, uh, all of these things were they were there. But they weren't in your face like they are today. Uh, you can't That's pick right. up a That's newspaper. Right. You can't go to a website uh, or a thousand websites, and one headline after another screams, "I am coming soon." And right. we have, as L.A. Marzulli likes to say, uh, we are in the days of chaos. Uh, the expression in the Bible: men's hearts failing them for fear uh, about the things that are going to come upon the earth. Uh, we are just seeing. I think really the the tip of the iceberg now it is going to get a whole lot worse here in America you talk about is ISIS here well we do believe they're here uh, the Orlando shooting may have just been a, just been a prelude uh, to something that we're going to have to deal with like they've been dealing with in Israel uh, for how many years now uh, terrorism is, is commonplace in, in, uh, in countries like Israel and we've been blessed and fortunate that we haven't had to deal with it uh, and confront it face to face like they did in Orlando last month. Uh, you know, you, yeah, you mentioned Orlando, and I can see a couple of things taking place. Gary, if I if I may ask you this question, do you yes. see? Uh, do, do you personally see, based on events such as Orlando and other similar events, do you see mainline or I'm sorry, fundamental Christians? those who pray in the name of Jesus, for example, do you see the criminalization of Christianity coming to coming to, to the United States here? I, I do. Uh, <clears throat> I, 
uh, I was talking with Tom Hughes today, uh, a pastor from uh, the San Jacinto Valley area of California. He has a beautiful big church, and he teaches prophecy in his church. <clears throat> and we were talking about churches and about the state. And we both agree that we are not very far from seeing uh, the state demand that churches have three restrooms. <clears throat> and a few years ago, uh, two or three years ago, this would have been laughed uh, out of the news. But, but now there's, a, there's fear that, that government bureaucracies are going to reach right into the church. And they are going to <clears throat> uh, extend the leftist agenda into the church administration by force. And they've got the force to do it. Uh, they've got the full strength of the IRS, for example. And uh, uh, so, yes, I, I think we're we're in that era when the, we're going to see these things uh, affect e- even brothers in Christ. But but look at it this way: look what's happening to Christians in the Middle East, and then it just extrapolate, uh, move that over into our hemisphere. And I don't think we're very far away from seeing ISIS come after us. A few years ago, Avi Lipkin <clears throat> mentioned to me that at a minimum there were 50,000 uh, Islamic warriors in the United States. Uh, that was a few years back. And they're living quiet lives <clears throat> uh, in the background, and, and we see them from time to time pop out, and, and the police go and raid their homes and find weapons and bombs and all kinds of of, of master plans, and but we know that they're there. <clears throat> we know that that they're going to be acting. I think more and more in concert. So that's what's ahead of us. Uh, and I think Christians are going to really learn how to pray in, in the next few uh, months. I really, and, really, and truly do. Well, Jerry, you mentioned uh, Avi Lipkin, and uh, I can remember interviewing Avi. Uh, I'm going back now, probably eight years or so. And one of the uh, predictions, and Avi is a little bit uncanny when it comes to some of these things, but one of his predictions was that President Obama was going to turn America into a Muslim country. Well, when we heard that, you know, he was our guest, and, and we couldn't laugh. But I, me personally, I kind of just chuckled a little bit inside and thought to myself, you know, how silly that was, and, and that seemed very, very extreme to me. How would the President of the United States turn America into a Muslim country, but yet you've seen the immigration and the massive number of of Muslims that have come to America in the last uh, seven and a half years uh, with no end in sight. Uh, Avi is uh, teaching at our our event in Colorado Springs, predicting that ISIS is going to take Saudi Arabia and then Jordan. So a comment he made eight years ago that uh, we thought was kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment uh, actually has come to pass, and here yes. we are looking at uh, several other uh, predictions that he has made as and as an Israeli insider, and I'm uh, wondering if that's the road we're heading down in the Middle East as well, uh, the complete surrounding of Israel. Yeah, you, you know, know I, we have a, go ahead. Uh, well, I, I just uh, you know, I, I you know what, Gary, I wanted just to mention that in 2000 and. Eight or 2009, I'm not sure which. It might have been 2009, just right after the inauguration of Barry Satoro, Barack Hussein Obama II. Uh, I had a, um, a, a gentleman who was 
very high up in DHS, uh, providing me with some information. And he said, look, America is going to throw Israel under the bus. We are not going to simply abandon Israel. We are going to become an enemy of Israel through through various means, including foreign policy. And I thought, wow. And, and I wrrote about this at, on CanadaFreePress.com, and uh, he, and here we are. So I said that as a as a I guess kind of to, uh, as a precursor to this question. Looking back. Prior to Obama, looking at the Bush administration, not the Obama regime necessarily, um, the Bush actions against Iraq that led to essentially led to the creation or the facilitation of the creation of ISIS was George W. Bush, Mister Mr. Sherman. Do you believe that uh, Bush was? Um, I'm not even sure how to phrase this question. Knowledgeable, I suppose, about the prophetic implications of his actions at the time, subsequent to 9/11, in in the Middle East, and how they would affect the, or or, or was he just did he just bumble this up? Yeah, I have to say no. I don't think, I don't think he he was uh, cognizant of the, the prophetic action he was taking. Uh, moving into Iraq, uh, and by the way, Baghdad and, and uh, the land of Shinar, where it all started with Nimrod, and the Bible says it's going to go full circle, and it has. <clears throat> but I don't think uh, that he knew what he was doing. He had, uh, I think he's party to a plan that's being uh, fomented and instituted at, at the very highest levels of global government. Uh, and if you remember, uh, George H.W. Bush called for the uh, establishment of a new world order. And I think what he meant by that was the uh, the order <clears throat> that would guarantee uh, a flawless, seamless economic control around the world. I think he was looking at economics. I don't think that he was establishing some dark <clears throat> occultic order but it but he became an agent of change and the the dark occultic order is there now I don't think it's any coincidence at all that it's come full circle back to a bunch of guys in black suits treading the very ground uh, upon which uh, Nimrod and his legions uh, trod 4000 years ago there's, there's uh, there's no coincidence there whatsoever. It's it's part of a of a master plan from way way behind the scenes, and the Bible says <clears throat> that the great wars uh, of the last days are going to be waged on those very sands, and we we see it happening right now. Uh, we have Saudi Arabia, we have Jordan, King Abdullah the <clears throat> second. Uh, who basically controls the Temple Mount and now uh, is is trying to forge for himself uh, uh, some kind of a working union with Israel uh, on the basis that he'll help Israel rebuild uh, the the Third Temple. Every bit of this is is coming at just the right time, but I don't think the men who are doing it know what they're doing. I think they're be, being driven by forces behind the scenes, uh, forces 
higher than th- themselves. Very interesting. We have a, a listener question. Um, speaking of the temple, this is from Christine. She asks, uh, she says, greetings. Uh, Bob Cornuke is not a speaker at the Prophecy Watchers Conference. She says Randall Price is the archaeology expert to speak at the conference. But Bob wrote a very fascinating book titled uh, Temple, in which he posts that the prior temples were not on the Temple Mount, but near it. She goes on to say, could you ask Gary to comment if he is familiar with Cornuke's theory and book? Um, she said that the theory is quite compelling, and uh, she hoped that she has not been misled by reading it. And thank you very much, she says. Well, it's a very complicated question, and, and yes, we do have Randall Price coming to speak. Uh, he's the founder and president of the World of Bible uh, World of the Bible Ministries, and he's a professor. He's a linguist. Uh, <clears throat> he's a hands-on archaeologist. He's been to the top of Mount Ararat. Uh, he has been on his hands and knees. Uh, uh, recovering uh, archaeological treasures. If any man knows uh, Israel, it would be uh, Dr. Price. And yes, there is a, a certain dialogue going on now who believe that the uh, <clears throat> the temple was in the city of David and those who hold uh, to the tradition uh, that Mount Zion is in fact at the top uh, of, the, of that long strip of land in downtown Jerusalem and uh, surrounded by gates, uh, uh, the the Golden Gate, uh, the Damascus Gate, the Sheep Gate, uh, the Tower of Hananiel, uh, all of the uh, the traditional landmarks mentioned in the Bible that surround uh, the temple platform, uh, which is uh, held by the Jews to be the traditional place. Uh, archaeologists like Benjamin Mazar and uh, uh, Lean Rittmeyer and others have, have literally spent their lives documenting the location of that temple platform as the place. And, of course, there's a lot of history connected with it, going all the way back to the Roman emperors. Hadrian built a temple there <clears throat> in A.D. Uh, 132, uh, a temple that he dedicated to himself. <clears throat> and he knew very well where uh, that temple had been built. So uh, we, I think, hold to that tradition, although there is a dialogue, and some are suggesting uh, that the temple uh, may be elsewhere, may have been built uh, elsewhere down in the city of David. Uh, interestingly, uh, the people in control of the situation there now are firm in the direction that the temple uh, was built on the temple platform and not down in the city of David. And they are very vigorously clinging to that, that position because uh, heavy-duty politics is involved right now. Uh, there is real contention. Uh, over the Dome of the Rock uh, versus the Third Temple, and uh, there are uh, political implications, wheels within wheels, if you will, that are being turned right now. And so I I think it's a delicate issue. It has to be approached delicately. Uh, uh, And I think Randall Price will be speaking uh, on that subject, and and I really believe he's got a handle on it. He uh, his own personal experience, the Temple Mount Sifting Project, uh, other projects uh, have revealed to him uh, that uh, this location is a valid location uh, historically uh, for the Temple. Uh, I am, to, to answer the uh, the listener's question, I'm very well aware of the uh, 
uh, Robert Cornuke book and uh, the book that preceded it uh, by uh, Ernest L. Martin called The Temples That Jerusalem Forgot. And 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 I'm I have familiarized myself with that that side of the argument, but I I tend to come down on the side, uh, the traditional side that the temple platform uh, is Mount Zion, and so uh, that's where I am. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Randall has to say about it uh, at the conference. If I could right. add uh, <clears throat> something to that, Gary. Uh, yeah, we had this conversation here just just a week or two ago. Um, and, you know, if you, if you ask the average Christian what happened in 70 A.D. in Jerusalem, um, the common answer you get is, is the Jews were scattered to the four corners of the earth. Uh, that's just kind of you know, been the party line for a long time. And in 70 A.D., the Romans uh, did destroy the temple and, and basically burn it to the ground. And the Jews were scattered, but not to the four corners of the earth. They gathered in, in enclaves around the city. Uh, in fact, according to uh, historical sources, they would gather on the Mount of Olives, and they would worship looking at the temple location from the Mount of Olives. To them, it was still real. And the Jews and the Romans lived in, I don't want to say peace, but they lived in, in relative peace for a period of time from 70 A.D. Uh, through 132 A.D., where, where Gary talks about Hadrian building this statue. And, and where did he build the statue? He, he built it on the Temple Mount. It was an insult to the Jews, and that started the Bar Kokhba Revolution. So Simon Bar Kokhba, unfortunately, kind of learned the hard way uh, that he maybe should have just kept the peace. Uh, they were so offended by this statue on the holiest site in Judaism that uh, they started you know, the Bar Kokhba revolt, and the Jews were actually banned from the city of Jerusalem from that point forward. So you go into a period of, of semi-dormancy after that, where the Temple Mount kind of lost uh, some degree of importance. Uh, the Jews were out of the city. And then in 691, something really fascinating happened, and I'm, Gary's more familiar with the names and, and the, uh, you know, the players in that scenario, so I'm going to kind of hand the ball over to him, because what happened in 691, I think, is really historically significant with respect Bob, you're on to a roll. I'm not going to stop you. I'll just I'll let you forge ahead there because you're on a roll. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> you want to you want to give me the name uh, Sheikh Omar? Is that his name? Yes, the, the Caliph Omar uh, in 691 <clears throat> came up. He showed up. At, he showed up at the Temple Mount. And he discovered, uh, you know, the original stone. You know, years, years and years ago, uh, there's a guy by the name of Lean Ripmeyer who did a lot of research on the Temple Mount. And when J.R. Church was still alive, uh, he published an article in his magazine that showed the actual etchings, the exact dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant on the big stone that sits underneath the mosque today, the Dome of the Rock. And they were the exact dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. Well, when Omar arrived in 691 A.D., uh, he found that location. Well, it was covered in trash. It had been buried in trash by, of all people, the Christians. Well, he claimed the trash off. And, Gary, what did he do at that point? What is what is Islamic theology and teaching uh, tell us how Islam well, responds? 
when they make Islam has a central complex. book. So- I know what you're driving at, Bob. Islam has a central belief, and that is that when you defeat your enemy, you take his most sacred piece of ground and you build an edifice there and claim it for yourself, and never to be given up again. And they're very scientific about this. They, 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 when they uh, take a piece of ground, uh, they survey it and make very, very certain they know uh, what is ground zero, and upon ground zero, they build uh, for themselves a, uh, a memorial, if you will. Uh, but it becomes one of their new worship centers, and that's precisely what they did with the Mosque of Omar. Uh, after great inquiry, uh, they determined uh, what they believed to be uh, the authentic site of the temple, and there they built the Dome of the Rock. And not only that, but they, they built it, uh, the Dome of the Rock as an insult, uh, because if you know anything about... Uh, what that dome uh, encloses, it, it encloses uh, literally thousands of words inscribed on the building itself that are imprecations against Judaism and against Christianity. And so that mosque then uh, becomes not just an edifice, but it becomes a bulwark of their belief. And Let's put it this way. Uh, the important thing about that is that they knew where they were putting that mosque. You know, I was, uh, we were, Gary and I were in Israel last March, and uh, I was standing outside of the mosque, and uh, our video editor actually took a picture uh, of me standing outside and didn't bother looking at it till, till later. Uh, I was taken on an iPhone. And I looked at it later, and the place I was standing right behind me in one of the foundation stones of the mosque was the face of a demon. And I don't know any other way to describe it. Uh, you could probably find this online, but there is actually the face of a demon built into the Dome of the Rock uh, that literally almost jumps out of the rock at you. So it's it's a spooky place. Uh, the Muslims sure seem to know where the Temple Mount was. Uh, the Jewish people still revere the site. So it is a really, really controversial, complicated subject uh, that I think we'll leave to the archaeologists uh, to determine. Very interesting. We we get a lot of questions about the uh, temple and about the Dome of the Rock and about that geographic area and the, obviously the significance about it. If I could... Use that as a segue to this question, I suppose. I've got actually two questions and, and numerous questions from people listening to this program, but, um, the covenant that is to be confirmed by the Antichrist, um, either one, whoever wants to take this, can you tell us your understanding or based on your immense exposure to uh, extensive exposure to, to the people talking about this has that covenant is, is that covenant refer to something that's already been, been been made created or has it yet to be created uh, I believe uh, just and I don't want to be dogmatic about this <clears throat> because there may be something that will unfold at that time that, that hasn't been disclosed yet but currently, I would say that uh, uh, when the Antichrist uh, in Daniel chapter 9 confirms the covenant, uh, he's confirming it with uh, what the Bible calls the many. 
Daniel 9.27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Uh, If you look at the Hebrew, uh, he's confirming that covenant with uh, uh, what's called the haravim, uh, and that word is traditionally reserved in Hebrew uh, to mean the leaders of Israel, the high ones who are in leadership over Israel. And so, what you have to ask yourself, what covenant would he be confirming or strengthening? Well, I think it would be the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, back in, uh, in Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, you know, leave your land and go to a land that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to make you a great nation. And he said, I'm going to bless you. And, and then in uh, uh, Genesis 12, uh, Three, I believe it is. He says, "And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all families of the the earth be blessed." So this is the blessing, uh, the initiation, if you will, of the great covenant between God and Abraham. And this this Antichrist figure, uh, if he really wanted <clears throat> to do something impressive. Uh, he would confirm that covenant, and he would open up the temple to temple sacrifice, which, by the way, uh, Daniel says that he does. In the midst of a week, he causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, which means that uh, during the first part of of Daniel's 70th week, the sacrifices and oblations have been uh, uh, in process, meaning that there must be a temple present at that time, so that sacrifices and oblations can actually take place. And, of course, uh, when we were in Israel recently, and, Bob, you remember this very well, we visited the Jerusalem Temple Institute and saw the preparations they're making to rebuild a temple and to uh, initiate temple sacrifice. All they need is someone to confirm the Abrahamic covenant and give them leave to build and to begin to sacrifice. And uh, we've got all of the... Uh, the elements of, of Daniel uh, chapter 9 fulfilled. So that's kind of what I think at this point. And ironically, uh, that is one of Randall Price's presentations at our conference, Ready to Rebuild. And he's going to take us through all of the latest uh, meanderings in the Temple Institute. Uh, when you go over and, and actually see what the Jewish people have done, uh, you see the golden menorah out in the courtyard. Uh, you see all the priestly garments and all the things where they're getting ready and they're getting closer, and it's making uh, the Islamic, uh, the Muslim people very, very nervous. In fact, there was a story out here just a few months ago about cameras being installed on the Temple Mount. And Gary and I were talking about this briefly because just recently Jordan came out and said, well, hold everything. We don't really want cameras on the Temple Mount. We're in charge here. Of course, most of the terrorism uh, that takes place on the Temple Mount is coming from from the Palestinians. Uh, when we were there, I'm just this was my first time in Israel last March. Uh, I can't really say I've ever seen anything like it. Uh, we were standing on the on the Muslim side, watching the Jewish people go in to pray, and their part, uh, the other side of the Temple Mount, and there were a group of probably 50 or 60 young Muslim women. And they were screaming, screaming at the top of their lungs, shaking their fists at the Jewish people just going in to pray. They just wanted to pray at their Mm -hmm. temple. 
and they were screaming, you know, Allahu Akbar over and over and over again. And the harassment and the incitement and the Jewish tour guide we were with, you could just tell how upsetting it was to him uh, to be a Jewish person living in Israel, knowing the history of the site and knowing that this was the place where your temple was and then being told you can't pray here, you can't come here, uh, if you come here you're going to die, we're going to do something to incite violence. So the story of Jordan not wanting cameras up on the Temple Mount may have uh, some real strong reasoning because they don't want any of these activities to take place up there recorded because they are uh, incitement issues. Uh, the other part of it is Jordan is in control of the Temple Mount today. Uh, they are the gatekeeper, and that is their role in Islam right now. Uh, Avi Lipkin says Saudi Arabia is going to be taken down by ISIS. He says Jordan is next. Uh, Bill Salas agrees with a lot of this in his new books, where he talks about these countries literally being fearful that they're going to lose their position of power. So Jordan is holding precariously onto the keeper of the Temple Mount role. Uh, and what we really think are the last days, uh, I'm going to be really curious to see Randall's message to see how close he feels we are to reestablishing temple worship. Interesting. We we only have about uh, nine minutes left of uh, uh, your gracious time. Uh, uh, Gary, if I can ask you this, and of course, Bob, you can weigh in on this as well. Uh, we have many people watching the Vatican, the Pope, uh, and of course, the... Uh, uh, the, the, the prophecy, the Malachi prophecies about Petrus Romanus. Uh-huh. Are, are you seeing things line up with respect to the prophecies of the of the final Pope Petrus Romanus here? As we look at Pope Francis, I, I mean, is it consistent with what we've been talking about relative? I, to I think so, I, and it's it's really not surprising, you know, if. Uh, going back to the prophecy of the popes and uh, the whole uh, strange situation in which Pope Benedict uh, resigned uh, because apparently he he felt uh, fatigued and he wanted to rest and take time off and he wanted to retire and, and that had simply had never been done. Uh, uh, quite frankly, <clears throat> I I don't believe that he retired because he was fatigued. He looked fine to me. <laughs> for his age, and uh, I, I think that that it was time for a, if you will, a changing of the guard. And we have the Jesuit Pope from Argentina, uh, with a known background, a very leftist background, uh, and uh, and and he is ushered in, and he uh, is named Pope Francis. And and guess what? <clears throat> he stands for. Uh, if you will, liberty, equality, and fraternity. He's, he's the, the social gospel, and he everywhere he goes in the world today, uh, he he preaches that particular gospel. So it's no secret uh, that there is now a new uh, program. Guess what gospel is going to be taught uh, during the era of the Antichrist? It's going to be the social gospel, uh, the gospel that says, you know, follow me. And, uh, and 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 follow my commands, and uh, everything is going to be all right for you. And I'm going to rebuild and make this a better world. And that's going to be the Antichrist message in the future. <clears throat> uh, uh, again, as he tries to bring order out of chaos. But uh, 
I, I just to make a to make a, a long story very short. I do believe that the prophecy of the popes has been fulfilled. I, I think uh, the changing of the guard has happened, and we now uh, are seeing a new socially active uh, Roman Church. And forgive me for the uh, shameless plug, Gary, but of course uh, one of the speakers at our conference is Chris Putnam, uh, Tom Horn's writing partner, uh, who just released a new book, The Final Roman Emperor. So we are going to get an earful uh, at the conference oh, yes. of what the Vatican is planning. And, you know, again, a shameless plug uh, for the conference coming coming up. We have people like Randall Price. We haven't talked about L.A. Marzulli, who's got a phenomenal announcement to make. We can't talk about it right now, top secret, but it's going to blow people's minds. Bill Solis will be there, Avi Lipkin, uh, people whose comments about the world situation uh, should really be heard. Uh, and this is the thing. Uh, events of the world are moving at such a rapid rate. Uh, that I'm eager to go to this conference just to catch the latest information that's coming from the mouths of these experts. I can hardly wait. Absolutely. Couldn't agree, and couldn't agree more. Thursday, uh, we have Paul McGuire on, and I know he will be a speaker at the conference as well, and um, we've had the uh, pleasure of meeting him several times and watching him speak live and... Uh, Folks, if you you want, you know, the price of admission alone is, you know, to watch Paul McGuire do its thing while he's uh, giving a presentation. Um, his, uh, his message title, by the way, is The Future of America 2017. So Paul is, uh, is uh, going to talk about a lot of the things that uh, we've talked about on the show tonight. Yeah, that coincides with his uh, latest book release, The Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. Um, <clears throat> again, folks, go to prophecywatchers.com. You can check out the three options they have for live stream there. You can click right uh, underneath the drop-down menus and sign up for their e-newsletter. Check out some of the videos they have on their website. Check out the commentary uh, in Gary's Corner on the website. It is a fantastic uh, uh, organization that you guys have built, and you've done so in, in a very rapid fashion, and and it, it's just fantastic. It's amazing. Um, and, you know, we wish you the best, and, and we uh, hope to continue to work together. And, and um, folks, sign up let's, for... Yeah, let's get the word out to, to people. To, to I mean, the time is late well, the hour is late. Time is short. Oh yeah, you folks. You know, man, you, you guys, you guys rock really. Um, our guests tonight uh, have been Mr. Bob Ulrich and, of course, Mr. Gary Stearman, prophecywatchers.com. Do you guys have any upcoming media appearances uh, before the conference that you want to promote? Uh, media appearance. We're between now and then. We're going to be really busy, <laughs> so we won't have time for for any media. We, by the way, I want to say thanks for this particular media uh, appearance. Uh, we we really appreciate the time, and uh, we appreciate your your spirit and your attitude. Uh, I think all of us sense that we don't have much time. Uh, we're not setting dates. But the clock is spinning uh, right now. So thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, it's been our pleasure. And, and, and Bob, thank you so much. 
Uh, we we hope to see you again. Well, both of you again sometime in the near future. Bob, thanks for everything you do for Prophecy Watchers and for uh, the body in general. We really appreciate you and, of course, Mr. Chairman. You are greatly welcome. Hope to see you guys at one of our conferences because uh, we do have some uh, some other events in the works that we'll be announcing shortly. Right. So uh, we're making Sounds our way good. around the country. That's awesome. God bless you both, and thank you both for joining us. All right. You're Please welcome. God bless you. God bless. Folks, that, that was Bob Ulrich and Gary Stearman, prophecywatchers.com. Interesting conversation. Joe, did you get the idea from this, from the, from this interview that pretty much everyone, aside from the minutiae, pretty much everyone's on the same page that things are happening so fast. I mean, well, one, yes, uh, uh, people who are paying attention understand that there is an intensity and and that is uh, continuing to increase. And, yeah. I mean, just look at the, the headlines from today. Um, you know, we, we see these attacks that are coming faster, more furious, and at the same time, they seem to coincide with certain things like uh today was the release of the 800 page Benghazi report. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yet we have these terrorist attacks in Turkey just as when the Orlando shooting happened, we had uh an email dump from the Clinton email scandal. You you know what speaking of that shooting in Orlando which you just referenced. Did you have to catch um and we haven't spoken about this. Did you, and folks, did you catch Judge Napolitano saying mm. on Fox News, and folks, did you see this? He said on, on, on Fox News that no one in that club, according to the transcripts released, no one in that club died until 5.13 a.m. Yeah, I read, the, I was reading the transcripts at the beginning of the show. Right. We're going to have to go over them um, as we have a tomorrow. Chance is going to be joining us um, for uh, about a half hour to talk about uh, preparations and survival right. tips. But but we need we need to really come we got to break those. down this yeah. because there are there is a gap of time period in the uh, police records where they keep the scanner recordings. There is uh, it doesn't start until two a.m., which the shooting started. Before two, that, no, no, no. Well, no. The breach occurred right around that time. But, okay. but my concern is, if you listen to Napolitano, his interpretation. Um, hey, off the chain. No dust. Uh, so, so we're gonna really have to dig deep into the source material. Yeah, it's eleven-page transcript. Yeah. Stay with us for hour three. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposed 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Folks, to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report, where news is breaking left and right, the eleventh, the eleventh busiest airport, that being in Istanbul, has come under attack by gunmen and bombers. Um, looking at the monitor right now, um, of course, uh, airport security all across the United States, all across the world, New York, New Jersey specifically. Increasing security. ISIS suspected of being behind deadly airport attack in Turkey. Of course, you're looking at um, three bombers. ISIS is claiming responsibility for that attack. And as we go through headlines, as we dig deep into news, does it feel like you're losing control, of course. Uh, sometimes it, it does feel that way, that life is running you. How do you deal with that? Well, of course, through prayer. We do, we, we and, and we know how this story ends. But, but you know, I, I absolutely love being able to reach in a toolbox and grab a tool that helps me function, whether it's Regardless, if it's to motivate me or if it's to calm me, you know, I, I love to be able to have access to something like that. I turn your attention, folks, to WholeTonesLive.com. That's W-H-O-L-E, WholeTonesLive.com. You know, Michael Terrell, who was on our program a couple of times discussing Whole Tones Live, this is a collection of music uh, uh, music projects that, that they have the power we've seen from the ancients. Of course, they've known for millennia that music has the power to heal. Now, I'm not making any health claims here. None of that. But from my personal experience and from the people I've heard from, who I've introduced to WholeTonesLive.com, they said, man, it's changed the mood of a room. It's helped my wife, in my case, my wife, sleep at night, fall asleep, and it's even helped our studio dog lady. I'm serious. It has a dramatic effect on people. And this is the music of King David. So whether you're looking for motivation or some sort of calmness, perhaps, or mental clarity, in my case, that's much needed. Turn to WholeTonesLive.com. There you can download a number of samples. They've got a number of samples there 
for you to listen. But after you listen to the samples, and, and you'll be able to feel this pretty pretty quickly, download or purchase the DVDs, or the CDs, I'm sorry, for Whole Tones Live. Again, they're different frequencies for different specific um, issues. It's it's an amazing, it's an amazing product, folks. Um, the, again, music has the power to heal, to soothe, to motivate. Is you make your selection accordingly. That's WholeTonesLive.com. WholeTonesLive.com. It's a fantastic product. I would urge everyone to take advantage of the offer to Hagman and Hagman listeners. Go to WholeTonesLive.com, and uh, you get $10 off. Uh, when you spend $99 or more. And, of course, there's a promo code there, but go to wholetoneslive.com and do yourself a favor and, and do your loved ones a favor. And I've, I've, we've gotten so many, so many great reviews of this product. And, again, we would not endorse or talk about anything we haven't personally used or believe in. This is This is one of those products that we, in fact, absolutely love. That's WholeTonesLive.com. Do it today. It makes a great gift or it makes a hey, put it in your toolbox. Grab a tool. Grab a tool. Put it in your toolbox. WholeTonesLive.com. Well, actually don't put it in your toolbox. Play it. Because, again, you're looking at uh, ways to motivate, soothe, calm, and even in some cases perhaps heal wholetoneslive.com we're talking about the uh, uh, we had for the first two hours Mr. Gary Stearman and Mr. Bob Ulrich from prophecywatchers.com now before we get back to the headlines and analysis of the news folks coach Dave Dobmeyer is uh, I mean he's on the ground he is like the point man for many things. I cannot stress enough that I would urge everyone to, to pitch in and help. Yeah, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, if you go to CoachDaveLive.com, that's CoachDaveLive.com, go to his website and, and give him a hand. And how you can do that is to, 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 to donate donate to help him get a shipment of food to those affected by the flooding in West Virginia. Which was uh, very substantial. Uh, Uh, Whole towns wiped away. Mm -hmm. They say the uh, most historic flooding in over 500 years. I don't know if they have records going back that long. Well, Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. uh, Mr. Moore said yesterday, Uh and there was last time I saw at least 24 were killed in the floods in West Virginia. Yeah. And um, you know that's astonishing to me. Whole, whole, yeah, you're right. Whole um, whole towns wiped out. Uh, entire towns wiped out. The the um, the flooding. The people that have been displaced. Well, Coach Dave, again, what a noble cause. Please, folks, Coach Dave. Or yeah, I'm sorry. The website is CoachDaveLive.com. We have, uh, in fact, from our family. Uh, Contributed to this cause. It's a, it's a noble cause, and it benefits and it helps the victims of the West Virginia flooding. Um, also, visit um, folks visit joecharlesmusic.com. Very interesting website there. 
you, you hear the music during the break. JoeCharlesMusic.com. Uh, take advantage of the offers by our good friend Joe Charles. And while we're uh, talking about uh, partners in our radio show, yeah. Minuteman Rocket Stove. Oh, folks, man, go to MinutemanStove.com. Check great. out the awesome stove that Mr. Lane Miller has created, mm-hmm. and through his company, Minuteman Rocket Stove is now offering. Uh, to Hagman and Hagman listeners, uh, MinutemanStove.com. It is a, a great survival tool fueled by sticks and twigs yep. for any type of uh, cooking that would need to be done outside of the home or even inside of the home without power uh, or electricity or wa- running water. All you need is the fire starters that come with the stove fire uh kindling for the fire and a pot and food to cook right but this makes it very convenient it's reinforced with one inch one eighth inch steel and it is just uh i mean it's great for camping it's great for uh on the go it's great for uh times when you know natural disasters like what we see in in west virginia uh happening uh, to have handy because you never know when uh, you're going to find yourself without the ability to cook. And if you have long-term storable food, uh, fire and cooking is going to be a, a big part of being able to, to eat that food to stay alive. And there's nothing more convenient than a Minuteman rocket stove to do that. And you can store it in, in the trunk of your car. It doesn't smell. It's, it's got a, a gasket around the top. This is a quality product. We well, you're smelling it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Eric. <laughs> Eric uh, put it through its paces, and uh, the you know how some have that um, sooty smell to it. This does not. This is a fantastic uh, high end product. When I say high end, I mean this is not something that uh, will lose its utility after a couple of uses. Or, or a season. Not at all. This is something very good. And, and com as well, orders over $60. Hey, you get a, get a free Hagman and Hagman mug. Yeah. Visit com, And that does not include shipping, by the way. It's right. The order has to be $60. Right. And the shipping, you can't do a $45 order with $15 shipping. Right. You have to have an order of $60. Uh, or more, you will get a free Hagman and Hagman coffee mug. And as my dad said yesterday, I mean, these things are weapons. <laughs> no, they are thick, they are durable. I mean, we, we yeah, actually, if you, if you, if you go to Hagman, uh, HagmanReportStore.com, you can read, uh, the fact that, well, you can read about the, the history of these official drinking utilities, uh, the utility of these drinking conveyors. And that's because they're made in America. That's right. That's, yeah. You, you know, the, 800-page report about Benghazi was released yesterday. The reason I bring this up now, ahead of all of the other um, headlines, is this. If you go to CanadaFreePress.com, please check that out, CanadaFreePress.com. The cover story there is an article I wrote that's based on the interview that we had with Jack Cashel last week. Deconstructing the Lie of TWA 800. You know, here's, here is the connection, and here's why this is important. You've got Hillary 
Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton, running for the highest office in the land here in America. She, if you, if you follow her career or her positions in her position as co-president with, with, uh, Billary or Bill, um, you will see that she had a hand in various political uh, maneuvering. Well, the 800-page report about Benghazi was released today. This uh, marks the culmination of an investigation that has been dogging her for a number of years, well, since it, since it happened in 2012. We are still no further ahead with the issuance of this 800-page report than we were before it was issued. The reason I, I, I want you to take notice to this report and the reason I'd like you to comment at CanadaFreePress.com on the, the uh, TWA 800 report is this. The Playbook of Deception by the Clinton Criminal Cabal is precisely the same. What happened during uh, the time, and another anniversary coming up is the homicide of Vince Foster. And uh, that's coming up here in July as well. But when you look at the playbook of the globalists, including and especially Hillary, as well as Bill, but Hillary in particular, now that she's more relevant, you look at the foundation, Clinton Foundation, you look at the Benghazi situation, you look at the uh, TWA management, you'll see a common tactic or common tactics being used. People will say, oh, well, wait, there's nothing there to Benghazi. There's there's nothing there about the emails. There's nothing there about Vince Foster. There's nothing there about Whitewater. There's nothing there about the Travelgate office. There's nothing there, and on and on and on. Oh, when it comes to the Benghazi report, <sighs> she said, you know, it's just time to move on. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. okay, she said, let's move on. All right. But, but have you noticed the ineffectiveness of Trey Gowdy and his committee? What was accomplished through this report? Nothing. The, the report drilled down on details about Clinton's State Department, how she failed to protect the diplomatic outpost in Libya. But what is light in this report is the complicity of both Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals or progressives, all of the people, the gang of eight, the Congress people, the lawmakers, their complicity in overrunning or allowing Libya to be overrun and causing this massive uh, I'm sorry, gun running operation out of Benghazi into Turkey and other area countries. This was the largest gun running operation on the planet. And, and not only gun running operation, but it also it was the largest, uh, uh, it, it was the Ho Chi Minh trail of, of weapons, but it was also a, uh, a conduit for fighters. Now, 
if you look back at TWA Flight 800, look at what uh, you, you have to go back and, and Jack Cashel in his book, and, and folks, I urge everyone to get, if you really want to kind of put connect the dots, yeah, you know what? It, it's going to take an investment of, of your time. And if you want, if you want to book the money to, to, to learn about this. But once you, once you begin that process of, of learning, you'll see, wait a minute. There's nothing new here with the Clinton criminal cabal. Not a thing new. But what we want to do, what I'd like to do, and this is not for the sake of, of my writing, but for the sake of the information, the reason I, I drove home Canada Free Press is when you comment at Canada Free Press, what happens is that information with every comment exponentially increases the visibility of the content. So do so. CanadaFreePress.com, the article about uh, TWA Flight 800. That will in turn have an impact on uh, the Clinton criminal cabal, adversely, I should say. Also, uh, if there's anybody out there, and I got an email today from somebody in the know back in 1996. And Jack, when he was here, Jack Cashel, when he was in the studio, said, hey, I'd be willing, you know, anyone who has any direct knowledge about what happened on that fateful night, about the events of that fateful night or at the aftermath, please contact him. Please contact me, he said. Go to casual.com. Send him an email if you've got direct knowledge. Because even though the book has been written, the story has, the, the, the ending final chapter has not. So, uh, casual.com. Very hot on that, and, and we're, we're following that. And of course, the news of the hour, you've got the Muslim terrorist attacks in Istanbul. And you've got right now, and Joe, I would say this, I would really say that this is how it's going to be. The gloves are off now with respect to uh, Barry Satoro, the Muslim-in-chief. The gloves have been taken off. You have the Muslim-in-chief now, the renegade, Barry Satoro. By the way, renegade, reference to a Secret Service code name, how appropriate. The lawless one has now opened the doors to flood America with uh, uh, not refugees, but it's an alien invasion. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, we are going to, we will get hit between now and uh, this is based on information, analysis, and sources, we are going to get hit with a mega terrorist attack. And Trump said it today uh, on Istanbul terrorist attack. He said um, that the terrorist threat has never been greater. Our That's enemies right. are brutal and ruthless and will do anything to murder those who do not bend to their will. Right. We must take steps to defend America from the, these terrorists and do everything in our power to improve the security in order to keep America safe. That was well, his comment today. Um, and, you know, well, there's a, there's a, uh, seems to be, um, some number contradictions. Dredge says 50 dead, 60 plus injured. While, uh, Fox News says 37 dead, 147 injured. But either way, mass devastation was done 
in an airport in Istanbul, three, uh, at least three suicide bombers came in to the airports with, uh, from what I understand, uh, machine guns or uh, well, semi-automatic assault rifles. Yeah, we have to be very careful with respect started to this shooting terminology. and right. then blowing themselves up. Uh, yeah, don't forget, this is Ramadan, so mm-hmm. this uh, this started. Yeah. Ramadan started with terrorist attacks. Yep. Uh, with the Pulse nightclub. I believe the 4th was the beginning of Ramadan, June 4th. Uh, I, I don't recall offhand, but, but, um, the, the, the Muslims, I mean, look, look at, look at all that has been taking, is taking place with respect to, uh, the Muslims here in this country raping a five-year-old girl, three young juveniles raping a, a, or attempting to rape and attacking, molesting a five-year-old girl, urinating yeah. on her. Then you have the administration, uh, basically telling the you know, media know. and citizens that they could be prosecuted for, you know, uh, giving the wrong opinion or, yes. or not stating facts clearly. Basically, you know, if you, if you make uh, you know a mistake, what? since report, when, Joe? <laughs> yeah, since uh, when? I mean, seriously, and, and folks, if there can be all these uh, satire sites and you know spoof news sites and the uh, journalist list, <laughs> journalist <laughs> lacking reporting from the New York Times, government-owned New York Times, and the big six conglomerates can report the news the way they want to. Shaping right. the minds of people, uh, you know, the local Fox News affiliate here, 1400, shaping opinions wherever we go. Your job is not to shape opinions. Your job is to provide the facts of things that happened. Exactly. But when it comes to, uh, alternative media personalities who want to get the truth out there, they're threatened with jail. They're threatened with fines. They're sued. They're mocked, ridiculed, yep. uh, made fun of, called conspiracy theorists, kooks, even though most of what many of them report turn out to be true, and you never hear that. Uh, and folks, in case you haven't noticed, basically every media personality inside the mainstream media and a lot in the alternative media have a separate agenda than what the truth is. The truth should be the only agenda. And that's absent from our culture today. It's absent from the people who are supposed to be giving us the truth, and it's absent from the people and the citizens of this country because they can't handle the truth, nor do they want to hear the truth. It's too painful for them. They need their, you know, emotional... uh what is it? The the hate speech response teams when the truth comes out. Yep. So things will get worse. When you have Hillary Clinton, uh, and we talked about Venezuela yesterday. This is something the mainstream media is ignoring. Venezuelans are storming supermarkets and attacking food trucks. Oh, we yeah. talked about the delegates, oh, yeah. how uh, now the Republican delegates uh, saying it's a violation of their free speech not to be able to vote how they want at the RNC. Because when, and we talked about this process before, since Trump won the election, if it was a contested convention, uh, each delegate in the first vote would have to vote how their uh, state or 
how their area voted. So we'll say, um, I don't know, in our eerie third district here, if uh, Trump was the one who was voted uh, by the majority, the delegate is bound to vote for Trump. They're now saying it is up to them, and then it's a violation of their free speech to do that. And now John McCain has come out and said delegates are free to make up their own minds on how to vote at the conventions. It's anarchy. As a group of Republican uh, delegates continue their push for the freedom to vote their conscience when casting presidential nominating ballots at the Republican National Convention, John McCain said Tuesday that it's within their rights to vote how they see fit. Just like the judge who took a constitutional oath (laughs) to uphold the Constitution says, don't even waste a second reading it, disregard it, don't let dead men run our lives of the living today. Right. I mean, you talk insanity. The judge should be thrown in jail for treason. He took an oath to uphold the Constitution, turns around, and says, disregard it. Either go to jail, quit being a judge, or uphold your oath. Or if you're in the media, tell the truth, or quit your job, or go to jail for lying. It's too bad the United States law is not based on the Ten Commandments. Think back, folks. Just a decade ago. Think back to 9-11 or pre-9-11 times. I'm not sure what the average age today of the person... Well, okay, the average age today of of a person. How old were they on 9-11 of 2001? I I don't know the answer to that, but I, I believe a majority of Americans today, alive today, are old enough to remember as an adult the events of 9-11 in, in, the, in the years before and if you're a dinosaur like me you can remember the 70s and 80s and when in the history of modern in modern history have we seen Islam become such a formidable force now and it's not by accident no it's not and and Joe I had to ask as I was doing some research earlier today um, I I had to wonder whether I mean we admit the weaponization of Islam for World War II by Germany we understand that And, and Brzezinski's globalist weaponization to use against the Soviet Union in Afghanistan has Islam come to come here to America as a result of that weaponization, or is there something else at play? I, I believe well, it's a of both. In the 1800s, wrote that letter about the three world wars, and right. where he talked about the Muslims fighting the Jews and Christians in a moral war where they would unleash the atheists, basically bringing the three main faiths of the world, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. into conflict uh, amongst itself and, and with, you know, 
against each other, each other to the point of complete annihilation. But to the extent that they would have to merge the three yes. mono, uh, yes. outlaw and then outlaw the three monotheistic religions and merge them into one state faith type, right? Yeah, and we see this taking place. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, yep. even if you take the Muslim uh, invasion and terrorist attack threats out of the equation, we've already destroyed ourselves from the inside out. When of you course. have judges saying the Constitution is not important, when you have Hillary Clinton today saying uh, abortion, <laughs> yeah. a constitutional right, Hillary Clinton isn't sure that the Second, Ma- Second Amendment is a constitutional right, but she sure is right, or sure is, sh- <laughs> but she sure the right to abortion is. Speaking at a Planned Parenthood event in Washington, the likely Democratic nominee called safe and legal abortion a constitutional right. Recently, the former Secretary of State was asked yeah, if individual right to bear arms is, is a constitutional right. Hang on, I got that it's not here. Uh, linked to service in a militia. Clinton replied, "If it is a constitutional right, then it is like every other constitutional right is subject to reasonable regulations." Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but her Planned Parenthood constitu- her her baby murdering constitutional rights not not bound by any regulations. Uh, well, yeah. It, it, I mean, this is the insanity of this country. And, that's right. Uh, Justice Alito, he put out a stern warning to uh, people of faith. He warns of ominous signs for religious freedom at the Supreme Court. Um, the Supreme Court on Tuesday shunned a religious challenge to Washington State regulations requiring all licensed pharmacists to dispense emergency contraceptives when presented with a valid prescription. In one, in a one-line order, the court declined to review the rules, which also allow pharmacists to deny delivery of the drugs if a pharmacist has a religious objection, but permit a, another to step in and provide the medication. An appeals court, court ruled last summer that the regulations did not violate religious beliefs of pharmacy owners and individual pharmacists under the First Amendment's free exercise clause. The court noted the regulations were written neutrally and didn't signal signal out single out pharmacists who had specific beliefs. So the Supreme Court on Tuesday agreed to leave that ruling in place. But Justice Alito, joined by Chief Justice Roberts and Clarence Thomas, protested that the High Court's position sends an ominous sign for religious liberty. There are strong reasons to doubt whether religious or regulations were adopted for or they were act or they actually serve a legitimate purpose. And there's much evidence that the impetus for the adoption of regulations was uh, hostility to pharmacists whose religious beliefs regarding abortion and contraceptions are out of step with prevailing opinion in the state. Well, it's all about the criminalization of freedom of speech. You know, this this, the, this ties into the, to the push against or, uh, the uh, agenda against the Second Amendment. Go on. The, the closing statement and the takeaway statement from this is what he says. If this is a sign of how religious liberty claims will be treated in the years ahead, those who value religious freedom have great cause for concern. And, and see, people laughed at us when we were talking about this before, e- even months ago. Steve Quayle talking about it and, and people making fun of him. And, and by the way, you know what I find very offensive? I find offensive, uh, the, uh, uh cer- certain media personalities making fun of, of, of serious issues 
whether it be UN vehicles. I'm not going to name anybody, name me, but, but, but you know something? Um, we are in uncharted waters here, I believe, in America today. Now, you might think, well, it's not Oh, that yeah, bad. we're in a, you know, <laughs> uncharted waters. We're off the map. Right. Off the flat earth map, by the way, but <laughs> yeah, we fell off the edge. But, but, but what, what concerns me is we are looking at a situation where we as Christians, and if you can identify yourself as a Christian, we as conservatives, we as pro-lifers, adherents to the Constitution, and especially the First and Second Amendments, well, all of the amendments and the Constitution, we are seeing the gloves come off of Obama, the gloves come off of the people around him, Today and he's not going to be bothered to give a press conference on the. Uh, of course, yes, I saw that. Uh, in that Turkey, no, I'm not going to talk about it today. Don't want to, don't want to mention radical Islam or Islam in general. And we have to. And, and I, look, I've, we've got to. We've got to regain control over our language. It's not radical Islam. It's Islam. Okay. It, it is. We, it's not gay marriage, it's sodomy. We've got to regain control over our language. We cannot afford to be politically correct as we are fighting for our lives today. Bob, uh, Bob and Maggie, thank you so much. I want to just give people this warning right now. And the, uh, the matrix, the terrorist matrix, threat matrix, that we were looking at, and there are certain things taking place that we input into it, like this uh, threat matrix. But uh, Bob Maggie had sent this up. There, we know that people love dates, especially terrorists. They love dates. Um, the Istanbul like bombing, dates with women and and men, or uh, dates, yeah, okay, or or the you know kind from the trees. Uh, no, the terrorist bombing in Istanbul. Istanbul occurred on the second anniversary of the declaration of the caliphate. All right. Think about that. And again, you know how people love dates. Um, everyone knows how important July 4th Independence Day is for most Americans. I say most because now we've got this contingent that, um, that, that, that don't care a whit about the country, the nation where we've been our heritage but anyway the observant muslims will celebrate their their dinner ramadan dinner on the on sunset on monday july 4th um it's actually 20 uh it's actually on tuesday july 5th 2016 but here in america in north america it's on july 4th but Let's be end. very cautious. Let's be very cautious. The end of Ramadan is July 4th? It's the, uh, um, because Ramadan's uh, been ongoing for. Yeah, I believe it is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. But, but regardless, look, uh, the important thing. Yeah, it started is, on the 4th of June need, and it ends on the 4th of July. Right. We need to be careful. And I'm sure that the White House is going to be lit up in celebration or have a celebration. The Muslim in chief with a prayer rug will be bowing to Mecca or praying to Mecca. Uh, on that day, or at least John Brennan will, if not the, uh, the entirety or, or the majority of the Department of Homeland Security. But the fact that, the fact is, I would urge everyone to be extremely cautious 
when they go to outings on the 4th of July. And uh, this is my recommendation. If you have a concealed weapons permit, don't leave home without your your concealed weapon. All right, it, it's <laughs> I, I I never understood uh, for those people who do have a, 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 a the legal right to carry a weapon. Please arm yourself so you can protect yourself in the event of a terrorist attack or shooting or whatever it might be. It only makes sense. Uh, that includes women too, please. And we have, and this is the other thing too. I've been noticing trending right now. Take a look, and this is going to make. It hasn't made news yet. It's going to make news. There are two things that are trending right now in the news. Number one are the are the attacks that are not being reported attacks against women here in America. Now, not to the extent of Sweden and other countries, but you're you're seeing an increase of attacks, especially domestic attacks against women. Well, now, are these attacks against women, or are these men carrying out their rights? Yes, according to the culture, the cult of Islam. Now, a woman right. who, who is attacked and, and brutalized and possibly raped by, uh, you know, these people, as it is their law, right. should they be punished? Or will they be punished in this country? Well, well if no, they call it radical not. Islam, it's it's not radical. It's Islam. If they period. call it Islam, political yeah. Islam, radical Islam. Yeah. So, uh, hello. <laughs> well, are, are they going to be the ones put in jail for hate speech? Uh. <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, well, the the attacks against I mean, women are, are on the five rise. year trending. old girl was sexually assaulted and humiliated beyond right. belief by three Muslim teenagers. No, 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 teenagers, 7, 10, and 13, okay. I believe. boys, whatever. And the politicians in Idaho have the gall to threaten to press charges against those who are spreading inconsistencies in the stories or potentially offending the attackers. If those people in that city do not come together as one, bring that city to a halt, no shopping, no working, gather in the streets in a peaceful protest right. and demand that the U.S. Constitution be upheld, <clears throat> then they're, they're, I mean, we're killing ourselves. The people are, are too busy. And I understand, you know, people have to work. You can't miss a day of work. You miss a day of work, your pay short, and, and next thing you know, your electric shut off. That's how it is in today's day and age. I mean, we are living that close. We get it. We understand that. We're we're living with that close of a... But sometimes, you know... We have to make that sacrifice, or a sacrifice. Um, You're not going to have a city or a civilization left if you continue to let things like this happen. Right. So maybe a day off of work or a day missing pay 
for a good cause would be worth it because maybe without doing it you won't have that future anyway well that seems to be the the, the progression i think yeah it's, you know, uh, the the other the other trending uh, thing the, the issue that is trending in addition to the attack on on women um I'll just I'll just say it like this: there is the uh, there is a larger, shall we say, an increase or acceleration of attacks against the new media, okay, or the independent media. This is being done very in, in a very crafty manner, uh, folks. In addition, um, in addition to the obvious and overt. There are covert attacks being being uh, done out there, and the reason I bring this up is because the independent media is really the last bastion of truth in America today. I don't care who you listen to in the independent media. Do what you can to to, to support them, whether it's us, fine, or whoever. Please do what you can to support them because the attacks are relentless. And they're there. Things are coming down so quickly. It, it, it is. It's. It's hard to fathom. It's hard to really keep track. But, but there. There are certain. There are certain. Um, and very effective threats and attacks that, that are taking place right now against against people in the alternative media or new media or the independent media that are. That, that are threats, and the threat to shut them down. I mean, Rick Wiles. I mean, look at look at all of the things all of the independent media personalities have gone through. So keep keep all of them, all of us, in your prayers. The um, where are the video surveillance videos? Where are the where are the investigative documents related to Orlando? Have we, have, Joe? Have you seen them? You know, no, I haven't. Um, There's surveillance videotapes from in, inside the club. NewsRepublica.com. dot com. Um, there are starting some. to release. Right. There, there's some uh, um, security cameras inside the club. Where is the footage? People are, are calling for the footage. Uh, just like on nine eleven, when the Pentagon was allegedly hit by a plane. The 89 security tapes that were uh, at gas stations and stores and at the Pentagon itself mm-hmm. all disappeared. Instead, what was released was eight frames showing nothing right. but something exploding into the Pentagon. Right. And for an event so uh, publicized right, with 89 different angles... And with so much controversy and doubt surrounding what happened at the Pentagon, you'd think that they would be bending over backwards, throwing this footage left and right out at the media. Mm-hmm. But where's it been? We haven't seen it. There are videos about the Orlando nightclub that uh, bring up and raise really good questions. Like, why were people stationed 250 yards away from the nightclub, then being carried back to the area of the nightclub? Well, yeah, yeah, and people yeah. say they ran for cover and came back, but there—I mean, there are some videos out there, folks. I would urge you to watch. I'm not saying that people didn't die or whatever. We don't know what happened, 
because the information is not forthcoming. The transcript doesn't even make sense. Half of it's redacted. Which uh, we understand, to, to some extent, the uh, redaction to protect the victims of families and the victims. However, this is not the case. The redactions are, have nothing to do with that. We, we do need to know exactly what happened. We're not getting the truth, and um, we're not going to put up with the you know with, with any kind of uh, uh, calls or name calling. You know, conspiracy theorists or conspiracy uh, fruitcakes. No, we're, we're, no, no. We want to see the evidence with respect to Orlando and other events as well. You know, the issue, and I had mentioned, I alluded to this earlier, the issue about the UN, the military style UN vehicles being spotted along Virginia's highways and, um, World at Daily has a story about this. Bob Unruh has written about this. UN truck mystery deepens. They're not ours. Two major contractors deny any role in their production or their presence. Now it's saying that they've been saying they've been built in Virginia. They've been cited and in one was York, Pennsylvania, Nebraska, Virginia, yep. California. Yep. And in Pennsylvania apparently. Well, it, it, the readers some readers have said look, they're built in America. They needed they're being transported to be shipped out of the country. Um one Explanation said a number of defense industry manufacturers are based in and around D.C., a region that includes, by the way, Virginia, and uh, for obvious logistics reasons, meaning shipment, the representatives confirmed that the trucks were ordered by the U.N. Uh, for use in locations abroad. So uh, now people are saying, okay, that's the reason. That's the reason. You're all kooks to think otherwise. Well, when... WorldNet Daily, when they contacted one of the companies involved, a corporation involved that was named as a manufacturer of these vehicles, they said, no, they're not ours. And then WorldNet Daily referred to another company, BAE Systems. Now, this is out of York, Pennsylvania. The spokesman there said, no, we're not involved in this, which doesn't mean there aren't Folks, this does not mean there aren't companies here in this country who aren't making these, creating, you know, manufacturing these vehicles and then selling them to the UN overseas. But how, but, 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 again, critical thinking. Think through this. Where are the majority of American cars made? Detroit? Japan? Not in this country. Just saying. All right. It, it doesn't, no, no, no one, while people can be critical, and, and it pains me to, to see the dismissiveness of certain people about this issue. Not, there's no, no one has come forth with an answer definitively to the question of whose trucks they are. I mean, who ordered them and where, obviously the United Nations ostensibly, but where they're coming from and most importantly, their destination. The reason I mention this is because, look, I mean, think through, think this through. Again, critical thinking. Think of the time, timing. The conventions coming up, the racial violence that is being stirred up, the haves versus the have-nots, 
all of the divisions and divisiveness in, in this country. Folks, we're, we're headed right now, and, and I'm, we're sounding the alarm bells here. I mean, if, if we had a cowbell here, we'd be ringing it. If you're not paying attention to what's going on, and if you're not concerned in a practical sense, then you're not paying attention. Now, we know how the story ends. We know, as Christians, we know the winners of what's taking place, but that does not give you a pass to be merely spectators in this fight, this good versus evil. I just want to say that. And uh, do not believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you hear. And do your own research. And also, and and I'm very serious about this, we are going to be watching the next five, six days very carefully. Because what you're seeing in Istanbul will come to this country. And I do suspect that between now and the end of next week, this is based on other intelligence I have, you're going to see either a larger uh, attack with guns and bombs than we've seen on our soil before, aside from 9-11, or, or the notification that one was foiled. By the way, Joe, I'm going to be on uh, with Dave Hodges on uh, Sunday, the third. Yeah, two hours. Yeah, that's uh, going to be uh, a great show as always. Yeah. Dave is is uh, has a great show, the right Common Global Show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eight to eleven on Sundays, and Ted's on just before him, uh, seven to eight. And uh, again, right. we have Paul McGuire coming up this week on Thursday. He's going to be with us for the whole show. And uh, got some other things up our sleeve for tomorrow, possibly. There was a meeting with uh, some religious leaders like Rick Wiles, Flip Benham, right? Uh, his sons, Flip sons, and Donald Trump and his his uh, staff. And we're going to see if we can get some insight from Flip tomorrow about what was talked about at the meeting. Some inside baseball information. And if. Uh, by the way, if all goes well, and I, should, I forgot to mention this earlier, it uh, looks like I might be joining John Moore on his program on July 5th, Tuesday, at 9 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I'll, I'll more on that as the week progresses. I do want to th- just thank everyone. Um, today, the book that I had authored that was released at Hear the Watchman Conference, um, Stained by Blood, my book, on Amazon has has now reached 55 star reviews and I think there's a total of 60 I'm not sure how many whatever 60 reviews in in total but um, thank you thank you for uh, ordering the book thank you for reading it and thank you for rating it uh, again the milestone today 55 star reviews stained by blood and I'll be talking with John Moore about that on Tuesday, the the book itself. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for your, for ordering the book, and for reading the book, and for submitting any honest review at Amazon. And and, and you know, um, there's a lot to that. You folks know the story. 
regular listeners know the story. There's a lot to that. And uh, there's more to come, too, about that. I'll just leave it at that. I don't know if you saw what the uh, president said today. You mean the, 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 renegade, the renegade Obama? Trump embodies global elites. Yep. The incumbent president yep. hit out at Donald Trump in an interview released Tuesday saying that Trump cannot legitimately speak for the public <sighs> or against globalism because he embodies the global elites. Really? When really? asked if there is a correlation between the rejection of globalism in Britain following the vote to leave the EU and the rejection of the political establishment in the U.S., a clearly frustrated Obama hit out at Trump. Mr. Trump embodies global elites and has taken full advantage of it his, his entire life, Obama said, while chuckling to himself. So he's hardly a spokesman, a legitimate spokesman, for a populist surge of working-class people on oh, either side my. of the Atlantic. Obama went on to say that some of the concerns regarding a loss of national identity and control, particularly where immigration is concerned, are shared by people in Britain and the U.S. Wait, wait stop. However, he blames xenophobia that's flashing up, not just in Great Britain, but throughout Europe, which has some parallels with what Trump has been trying to stir up here, he says. Yeah, okay. But did you find what Gary Stearman said earlier in the program rather interesting about Brexit and and globalism and, and the advancement of yeah, the yeah, generation. I want to watch his video to get a better understanding yeah. of that. Um, uh, I, I thought that was very interesting and almost counterintuitive, but if I could, if I could liken it, liken it to something, it would be the collapse of the Soviet Union and then the the, the revamping of that. But anyway, that's, but yeah, it that makes little sense. This renegade in chief, folks. We are up against the end of the up. show tomorrow. Uh, yep. Chance from American Survival Wholesale will be joining us for uh, a little bit to talk for about prep tips, prep yep. tips, instructional prep tips. Say that five times, and then Fast. we'll uh, we'll do some open phone lines as it's open phone lines Wednesday, followed by Paul McGuire Thursday. Yep, and, and we got uh, more more in store. Yeah, all right. That'll do it. We have left the building. God bless each and every one of you. Please stay safe. When you get on your knees, say, say your prayers and thank God for your blessings. Good night, everyone. Good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.